Welcome to the Daily Boogie. Yes, hello. Woo! Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, everyone, wherever you are, whoever you are, whatever you are. Thank you for joining us. It's Monday night. First show of the week for the Daily Boogie podcast. Please hit that like button, hit that subscribe button, hit that share button, hit that ass if that's what you want to do. I mean, you know, well, I wouldn't recommend coitus during this program, but it's known to have taken place before. So you wouldn't be the first. School. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for joining us for this Monday night edition of the Daily Boogie podcast. It's an absolute pleasure to be with you once again. I hope you had a lovely weekend. I certainly did. I certainly did. And I'm very happy to be back with you for another week of the Daily Boogie. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for sharing the show out. If you did, if you didn't, well, that's okay too. I guess no pressure. No pressure. I'm not going to make you do anything you don't want to do. Uh, Sharing the show out. Sending the link to other people, butt stuff, whatever, you know. I'm not going to make you do anything that you're not comfortable with for now. But we'll get a couple of drinks into you. I'm drinking a nice Irish whiskey and Coke today. Mm. That's tonight's recommended drink. So, yeah, thank you for joining us. So much to you, as always, as is always the case on this program, so much to get through, but very little of it is going to be relevant to you on a daily basis, on... It's not going to be relevant to you in your work life. It's not going to be relevant to you in your love life. It's definitely not going to be relevant to you in your sex life. Thank you for the diamond, Gypsy. Thank you for the diamond, UK, Neil. Thank you so much for the diamond, Gypsy. Where did you steal the diamond, Gypsy? Boogie, what's your thoughts on bourbon? Uh, All positive, Mr. Bearded Truth. I do prefer Irish whiskey to bourbon, but it's very close. Uh, and I don't like scotch too much unless it's really, really, really like good scotch, and then just just on ice or or just um just you know in a glass with a little bit of water maybe. But that's the only way I'll drink scotch. It has to be really, really good stuff. It's the only way I like it. Other than that, yes, bourbon and Irish whiskey for sure. For shizzle, my nizzle. <coughs> Thank you for joining us. Like I said, so much to get through. We've got a lot of ground to cover today. We're going to take a look at the latest in the coronavirus. Uh, We're going to check in with our 2020 uh, presidential candidate who's been very busy over the weekend, John McAfee. But I'm going to tonight extend, I'm going to expand the net and we're going to take a look at his main competition for president. No, it's not Donald Trump. No, it's not Bernie Sanders. We will look at both of those guys tonight as well. See what they've been up to over the last 48 hours or so. But it is Vermin Supreme. This is the guy that is going to be the main roadblock, I think, to John McAfee taking over the White House in 2020. So we're going to have a little look at Vermin Supreme tonight. And you can make your own decisions, ladies and gentlemen. So a very fun-filled episode. I've also got a whole bunch of weird degenerate sex stuff. I don't know if we'll get to it, though. I don't know if we'll have enough time. So I might just have to tease you up until tomorrow. (laughs) 
for the weird degenerate sex stuff going on in Las Vegas. But perhaps, perhaps we might find a way. Um, also got some advice on how to eat pizza. I think that's something that you probably needed in your life. Like I said, a whole bunch of shit that we're going to have to plough through. Vermin Supreme, Spike Cohen, says Mr. Bearded Truth in the chat. So let's get into it. Uh, if you'd like to become a full-time supporter of the show, like so many of you have already, then thank you so much if you have. But if you haven't, and you would like to stop being a freeloading bitch, then you can do so by heading to patreon.com slash boogiebumper. Uh, subscribe to the podcast, please, by hitting the subscribe button on your preferred podcast player. And of course, if you would like to tell me about your vermin supreme, and no, it's not a pizza that they serve in the impoverished areas of China, then you can do so by following me on Twitter, at Boogie Bumper. Let's get into it, ladies and gentlemen. The current president, but not for long. Remember, John McAfee is coming for this guy. The current president of the United States, ladies and gentlemen, is in India. He's in India. And I saw this article. I saw this article yesterday. And I just thought, well, this is perfect show material. This is kind of this is the kind of real news. This is the kind of important hot topic that we need to discuss here on the Daily Boogie program. I have never seen him eat a vegetable. <laughs> Trump braces for a meat-free menu in India. Yep. He's been bracing himself all weekend. Uh not bracing himself on the toilet like a meat-only eater would normally do, but bracing himself for the fact that he's not going to be surrounded by steak, apparently, while he's visiting Nahendra Modi in India. Uh, this is, of course, from CNN, the bastion of real news. When President Donald Trump travels abroad, be it to Saudi Arabia or Singapore, his hosts usually try to make him feel at home with his favourite meal, steak with miniature bottles of ketchup on the side. <laughs> But what's a beef lover to do in India? I Can I just put my hand up here? Um, if this guy never eats vegetables, then I like him even more. I am a carnivore to the full extent of the definition. Like I, 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 I would, my dream meal is to be surrounded by meat, surrounded by steak, pork chops, ribs, whole lambs roasting on spits. I want to see a whole pig with an apple shoved in its mouth. Like, that doesn't even turn me off. I would just dive on... I would jump onto it like I was wrestling a crocodile and start taking bites out of its sweet, salty, crackling ass. You know what I mean? Love me. I will allow some room for some roasted potatoes, perhaps. But ideally, my ideal um, menu is just meat. Meat for dessert, if I can get it. So I love that they're trying to hit the guy on this because I would suspect, you know, I'm not an American and correct me if I'm wrong, I would suspect that there would be a whole bunch, like maybe popular culture, maybe television has not been 100% honest with me, but I would suspect that there is a whole bunch of Americans out there who also love eating meat. <laughs> I'm just putting that out. I think that's maybe that's a wacky idea. Maybe that's some kind of conspiracy theory. I don't know. Uh, and how dare his hosts try to make him feel at home by catering to his taste. I know when, when I invite dinner guests over, I shove food that they don't like down their throat and I'll say, you'll, you'll eat what you're given because that's what a good host does. You see, you don't, you don't ask your friends or your, your guests, you know, what kind of, if they have any dietary requirements, you don't ask 
what kind of food they like and then try to prepare something the bell to their taste. You don't cheese, bother with that man. stuff. Thank you, Natalie Joe, for the sub. You don't bother with all of that shit. You make something that you know that they're allergic to or that they dislike immensely and then you pry their mouth open with a crowbar and shove it down their ungrateful throat. That's the way a real host deals with dinner guests. Of course. The president, whose diet is often a rotation of steaks, burgers and meatloaf, again, it sounds like fucking heaven to me, faces a potential shock. <laughs> He's, I love the idea that Trump's going to get off the plane unprepared for the meal. Like, that's real. <laughs> What the hell am I paying all you people for? You knew we were coming to India for the last month. And what, I get off the plane here and nobody's got a fucking hamburger for me? I'm paying all you people thousands of dollars to make sure that you're ahead on this stuff, to make sure that you know what's going to happen when we get off the plane, wherever the hell, whatever shithole we're going to. What the hell are you here for? If you're, make, if you're not making sure that we're getting fucking burgers on the tarmac. He, had no, he has no idea what's waiting for him in India. President Trump is a culinary ignorant. He's got no fucking idea. He can't get a steak in India. He faces a potential shock as he prepares to travel to three Indian cities this week. His trip includes stops in Gujarat state. Gujarat, Agra, and Delhi, where Hindus are the majority and cows are revered as sacred. That's that's not a special thing, though. Like, I mean, depending on which part of India you're in, pretty much every animal is sacred there. They won't even let you eat monkey in some parts. Horrendous stuff, I know. That's why tourism from China is very low to India. His, uh, oh, we read that part. In some neighbourhoods, meat-eating is so taboo that it's not done in public. Ah. Well, I mean, like, masturbation, for example. <laughs> Doesn't mean that nobody's doing it. It just means that they don't want their friends to see them doing it, right? That's not very taboo at all. Like, I would think really taboo is you don't even do it in private. But apparently they're all walking around in the streets in these places saying, we love the cows, we love the cows, can I stroke your udder? And then when they get back to their home, it's like, oh, God, all of this cow stroking has made me hungry. What have we got, dear? Oh, we've got about 24 ounces of prime rib. Beautiful. Fry that shit up. Can't wait. Just just draw the curtains so nobody sees us doing it. Trump's host, Prime Minister Nehendra Modi, has gone out of his way to generate an elaborate reception for the president, including hosting a massive rally in the world's largest cricket stadium, and arranging, arranging a tour of the Taj Mahal, the real one, not the namesake Atlantic City casino that Trump once owned. I love that they have to put that in the story of Trump being in India. Yes, I'm sure that people mistook the real Taj Mahal and Trump getting a, a guided tour of the real Taj Mahal from the Indian president in Atlantic City and not India. Yeah, I'm sure that I'm sure there was a very valid reason for making that distinction in this piece. But Modi is a devoted vegetarian. Uh, one of them. One of those people. A devoted vegetarian. And plans to serve vegetarian food to the president. According to people familiar with the planning, Trump will sit for several meals with Modi when he's in India, including a lunch and a formal banquet Tuesday evening at ornate Rashtrapi Bhavan. 
the official presidential palace in Delhi. People familiar with the trip's planning cautioned that menus would likely only be finalised at the last minute. <laughs> and Trump's aides have been known to intervene to ensure the Trump that Trump's tastes are catered to when he's on the road. And then again, they put in brackets here because this is something you have to know. He once had steak twice a day while abroad. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> a person close to the president who has dined with him on several occasions said Trump has salad with a meal every now and then. I like a good salad with a bit of lamb, with a bit of lamb roast, maybe some fried lamb cutlets, a bit of salad on the side. That's I like to roll that way. That's good. It's better than vegetables. But other than that, quote, I have never seen him eat a vegetable. I love that the whole premise of this is it's going to be difficult for Trump to have a steak if he can't, if, if he wants one. Like for some reason in a country with a population of over a billion people, it's going to be nigh on impossible, even though people eat steak apparently in the privacy of their own home while nobody's looking. Uh, it's going to be immensely difficult for the President of the United States the most powerful politician on planet Earth to get a fucking steak, to get a fucking pork chop. Like, this this is something that cannot happen. We absolutely must not allow this. Like, like what do you think? Like, Trump's going to get off the plane and go to, like, a curry hut on the side of the road? Is he going to eat Indian street food? That's not going to happen. See you in hell. He's going to get off the plane and go up and buy himself a nice coconut goat curry off the side of the road in Delhi. What the fuck do you call this, huh? What the hell is this? <laughs> uh, Mr. President, this is a nice god curry. Like, if he sat down for a presidential banquet with Nehendra Modi and said, yeah, you know what, I'm not a fan of these the eggplants that you got here, he would say that before dinner. I'm not a fan of the eggplants you've got here. I'm not a fan of all of these weird vegetables. Uh, I, I don't really like the vegetarian food. Tell you what, can you get my guys to bring in? Can we, I, we brought some prime rib over with us from the United States. Can you get my guys to fry that up in your kitchen there after we sanitize that thing? And I, I you know, what is Nahendra? What is Nahendra Modi going to do? What do, what do they think the Indians would do? No, shut up, Mr. President. You will eat what you're given, Mr. President. Shut your big fat American mouth, you pig. <laughs> You will shut up, you will eat your vegetarian curry, and you will fucking like it. That's not going to happen. That is not going to happen. <laughs> if the president wants a steak, he will get a fucking steak. Trust me. <laughs> In the past, countries Trump has vid uh, visited had have often accommodated his diet, feeding him lamb or another alternative if steak is not on the menu. But several officials said it's hard to imagine Modi serving the president his usual fare because fuck him, because he's a militant vegan, that's why. I don't know what he's going to do in this case. They don't serve cheeseburgers, a former official said of the situation. It's a situation. It's a situation that must be managed. We can't get cheeseburgers. We can't get steaks. Whatever the hell are we going to do? Even one of the president's favorite fast food restaurants, McDonald's, doesn't serve beef in India. Instead, locals dine on chicken burgers or a fried paneer or fried paneer cheese sandwiches. I'm sure he. I'm sure he can have a little bit of a chicken. I'm sure he can have a McChicken, a chicken sandwich, if he wants. I don't think that's too far out of the realm of possibility. 
If Modi's choice of food isn't quite Trump-like, the rest of his plans appear designed to appeal to the crowd-loving US leader. Uh, have you noticed that they're now starting to do this? The crowd-loving leader? The, the crowd-loving Trump? Oh, he's obsessed with crowds. He loves big crowds. The only reason he's going to India is because he loves big crowds. He's a crowd-loving guy. <laughs> as if you would like as if you would like crowds. What a weirdo. Have you noticed that they're trying to do that now? See, we've spoken about this before. Like what the media constantly tries to do is take something that's a strength and turn it into a negative. So, you know, like his his blue collar style of of speaking, right? If you if you're an objective person, you're not really partisan. Like I've tried to explain this to people who hate him, who hate the way he's they hate the guy, but they refuse to accept why other people like him. That's two totally different things. You don't have to like Trump. You don't have to agree with him, but you have to be able to appreciate what makes what it is about him that other people like. Cuz obviously a lot of fucking people do like him. And I think one of the things that other people like about the guy is the way he communicates. It's very it's very stripped back, raw, stream of consciousness, blue collar type of way of speaking. And, you know, they speak with forked tongues because on one hand they say uh, the way he speaks is ridiculous and it's dumb and it's stupid. But then at the same time, they try to emulate the way he speaks as well. Like you got Joe Biden, what did he call people? Horse-faced mini soldiers or some, sh some shit that he just pulled out of his ass. So they, they say that the way he speaks is no good, but they know, they know that it works. And they know that's what people like about the guy. So even if, even if you don't like him, you have to appreciate the, you know, the way he speaks. But that's an example of turning a positive into a negative, right? Oh, the way he speaks is so dumb. It's so dumbed down. Same thing with the crowds. So now they're trying to go around saying, oh, the crowd lover, this weird guy who's obsessed with crowds. He's a crowd-loving president. How strange, how awful. Show me a politician running for high office that doesn't like big fucking crowds. <laughs> what are you, mad? They, 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 they would all be begging for, for crowd sizes. Every politician wants big crowds. Every politician wants a lot of people to show up at their fucking rallies. But they 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 insanely are trying to turn this dog face pony soldier. Thank you very much. I have no idea where that fucking comes from. Is that a real insult in the state? If someone said that to me, I think I would just laugh in their face and go, what? What? What are you talking about? What the hell is that? What is one of those? So every politician wants big crowds, but the media, again, they haven't learned a thing, is trying to turn it into a negative. Oh, Donald Trump and his big crowds, his obsession with big crowds. It's like, what are you, nuts? Every guy wants big crowds. Every, every politician wants thousands of people lining up to hear what they have to say. It means they're relevant. So there you have it. Donald Trump apparently can't get a stake in India. Shut up, Mr. Trump. You will eat your coconut curry and you will fucking like it. You piece of shit. <laughs> Welcome to India, sir. Welcome to India, sir. And this evening for dinner, Mr. President, we have a lovely arrangement of uh, some lovely pompadoms, some dips, some vegetables. Can I get some beef? Fuck no. Shut up. <laughs> it's ridiculous.
ridiculous. Uh, Ryan Savidrup tweeted this out earlier from CNN. The crowd-loving Donald Trump apparently showed up to this in India. The India plays or could play as a uh, boat war in a sense against Chinese influence in the region could be substantially boosted in terms of its positive energies from this event. And that's no accident from Mr. I'm gonna I'm gonna be honest with you here. I like that music selection far more than the wanky, uh, cringy, you know, patriot songs. And I know I know that a whole bunch of you don't like the wanky, cringy, cliched patriot songs too, but you're too fucking afraid to say so. <laughs> I know this for a fact. People have told me in private that they don't like the cringy, I'm proud to be an American where at least I'm kind of free. I know people have told me that they're like, yeah, it's very cringy. And it's not like I don't hate you. I don't hate your country. I just hate cliches in music. You know? I was born in a small town. I love rock and roll, yeah. I play guitar and sing rock and roll. I'm a good old American boy. Fuck off. <laughs> Proud to be an American Where at least I know I'm free And American flags and anthems They bring out the best in me And I'll proudly stand up Cause I'm too afraid to say I hate this song Cause if I do I know I'll be Kicked out of the stadium. That's that's the that's the effect that people have. So I know that many of you do not like the Patriot shit the shit songs as well. I would much rather hear this instead. This is much more fun for me. The India plays or could play as a uh, bulwark in a sense against Chinese influence in the region is going to be substantially boosted in terms of its positive energies from this event. And that's no accident from Mr. Modi's point of view. I've just been looking down in the centre front there where I was able to see uh, Kushner and Ivanka Trump taking selfies with the crowd. This clearly is going to be something from their family scrapbook. Uh, a turnout uh, as. So much better, isn't it? That's something we can all get behind. A collection of homosexuals dressed in funny outfits singing about what it means to be a macho man. Uh, our fellow correspondents have observed uh, Donald Trump likes a rally. He likes a big rally. and this <laughs> Who are they hiring at CNN now? How are these people getting these gigs, man? <laughs> well, as many... <laughs> It's just so much better with Macho Man playing in the background. It makes it all. It makes all of the th- all of the pieces come together and fit together nicely. So um, you know, Macho 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 Man, yeah. And you've got this guy on CNN. Apparently, he works there. I don't know. He could just be a dude who picked up the microphone. Well, as many ex- as many as political commentators have observed, Donald Trump likes a rally. <laughs> He likes a big rally. Like, this is the live reporting equivalent of saying, you put your left shoe on your left foot and your right shoe on your right foot. And you put your head in the neck hole of your T-shirt. Don't put it in the armhole. The head hole is for the head. 
The sky is blue and it is above your head and the ground is below your feet. Thank you. Thank you for the in-depth analysis. Donald Trump says things at rallies and he likes them. And he likes big rallies because he likes big crowds. (laughs) I'm on television. I'm holding a microphone. I'm breathing so I don't die. Isn't it wonderful? This clearly is going to be something for their family scrapping. Uh, a turnout, uh, as uh, our fellow correspondents have observed, uh, Donald Trump likes a rally. He likes a big rally, and this is a very big rally, and that's a very big, deliberate move by... <laughs> which which reject, which reject from the English cricket team is this? Brett Harris in the chat, shots fired to our UK brothers and sisters. Uh, the Indian organisers, this notably... I like big rallies and I cannot lie. Narendra Modi, who himself is no stranger to rallies and the power of populism, the power of galvanising his political support. The power of populism. The power of populism. Somebody finally got CNN to admit that there is power in populism, believe it or not. A bit like a rock star. Now, he lacks the charisma uh, and, indeed, the rhetorical flourish, should we say, of Donald Trump. But he, nonetheless, uh, has managed to assemble himself something of a cult following here in India. And it's no real sense that there's going to be a major breakthrough this side of an election. Donald Trump has been talking down expectations, so there are hopes of some deals on the sides in terms of defence. But above all, this is about cementing a relationship that the United States wants and needs, but so does India. Remember, uh, in the background is a desire of uh, India uh, to take a seat on as a permanent member. Come on now. Let's see a poll in the chat. Who wouldn't rather have Donald Trump walk out to fucking Macho Man instead of, you know, insert cliched Patriot song here? Whatever it's, whatever it is, whatever the flavour of the day is. Yes, yes, flag. Yes, yes, veterans. Yes, yes, anthem. Yes, yes, love your country. Yes, yes, small town boy. Yes, yes, rock and roll, whatever. I want the gay guys dressed as Indians. <laughs> Indians and cops and bikers to be on stage with arseless chaps singing Macho Man. That's the way forward, I think. Member of the Security Council, for example, representing the developing world. That is something that uh, India is the world's biggest democracy, the population of 1.4 billion. There you go. 1.4 billion, the world's biggest democracy. Uh, Iceman in the chat asking CNN and how many at Bernie's rally. Don't worry, I'm, I've got some clips of Bernie's rally that uh, rallies that might surprise you. That may surprise you because we're going to get into Bernie tonight. We're going to discuss Mr. Sanders. Mr. Sanders. Yes. See, people people want Macho Man, Mr. President. <laughs> people want the Macho Man or Macho Men. Macho Men to bring out the president next time. Proud to be an American. Wish they played Macho Man. Fuck yeah. Why not? Why not try something for a change? Uh, I'm not going to play any of the president's speech. To be honest, I haven't watched it, but I suspect, you know, the president's speeches recently have been getting a little samey. And I'm the kind of person like, you know, when it change, when it gets closer to the election, I'm sure it will change a bit. I don't know if the, the main drive of his speeches will change much. But I've been watching Trump's speeches for a few years and live streaming them on occasion. I've become quite accustomed to the speech. And unless something is happening somewhere, then it really doesn't change much from, you know, black unemployment, the economy's doing well, 
we're building the wall, we're taking care of MS-13, et cetera, et cetera. It's, it's usually the same hit points, right? The same data points. And I'm the kind of person, like, if I'm, if I'm watching something and the same thing is repeated constantly, then I get, I get bored very easily. Like, I, I don't even like doing the same topic very often for more than a few days at most um, without even without taking a break at least because repetition gets very boring to me. It's quite boring to have things repeated. And I know, you know, people get bored rather easily and one of the things that bores people is repetition. And if you don't like repetition, then you probably don't like it because you get bored very easily. I know people in this chat complain sometimes that this show is very boring and it's probably when it's being re very repetitious. So I'm going to avoid repetition because, you know, I find it very boring. And I don't like being bored. And, you know, as we all know, boredom can be a result of experiencing uh, large amounts of repetition. So I don't want to do that. I don't want to bore you with repetition because repetition is very boring. Yep. That was my bit and I'm sticking with it. <laughs> this I wanted to bring to you. This was shared to me by a Democrat. Coming to you live. Because I see a lot of people... Look, let me preface this whole thing. I uh, see Mr. Beard of Truth was onto it. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, sir. I'm not, I'm not a hack, like they all say. Repetition is very boring. Enough, says Pee-wee. <laughs> this was shared to, uh, with me by a Democrat. The reason I'm bringing this to you, I see a lot of people who, and I'm, I want to preface this next section of the show, this next segment, with I don't think that Trump's going to come close to losing now. Um, I Like, of course, never say never. And of course, that doesn't mean, you know, if you are a Donald Trump supporter that you shouldn't be working as if uh, he can lose because that's if you if you think that he does he can't lose then you're already in the wrong mindset for politics right you've always got to be thinking you know you've always got to be thinking that you're one scandal away from uh, a bad election result or you're one bad decision away from a bad election result otherwise if you think that you're there's no possibility that you can lose then you end up being the Democrats of 2016 right that's that was their problem back then so you know. I think it's on you if you are a Donald Trump supporter to not fall into that same mindset. But for me, being, you know, a foreign observer who, who I'm just a commentator, you know, I'm just looking at things and saying what I think about it, making observations. Um, from where I sit, I find it very difficult to see how he's going to lose for a whole number of factors that we've gone over on this show repeatedly. You know, the impeachment fiasco, I think, is going to cost the Democrats the House in 2020. Um, and regardless of whichever candidate they select, if it's Bernie, like even their moderates, I think, are too divisive for middle of the road moderate voters. So I don't think it's going to work either way. They, they haven't, their, their candidate selection has not been good. Um, YouTube saying, of course he can lose. Sure, fine. Um, I just I just think that it's unlikely at this point. So I wouldn't say never. He's never going to lose. Of course he can. But I just think the way it's tracking at the moment, it's, it's not probable, put it that way. So, you know, I, I think the Democrats would have been far better with, like, somebody who was going to focus on middle class, blue-collar 
um, issues and middle class aspirations instead of memeing themselves out of the game, talking about things like free healthcare for illegal immigrants, which has across the board negative responses from even Democrats don't particularly like that. Outside of New York and LA, Democrats, moderate Democrats who love America, sing the anthem, drive trucks, have guns and watch football and love eating steak. Yes, they do exist. Uh, they, they're against that kind of stuff. Talking about, you know, Elizabeth Warren talking about shit like a nine-year-old trans girl needs to select the next, you know, secretary of education. Like, what is going on here? What are you talking about? <laughs> so outside of that, the only guy who even comes close to talking about, uh, you know, some in some way, shape or form, blue-collar voters and middle-class voters and stuff like that, what you would call traditional standard Democrat fair is Bernie Sanders when he's not talking about all of the other wacky shit that he, he talks about. So what I find interesting, though, in this particular clip, I want to show you this. This is a, a two-minute a two video that somebody made for Twitter. We spoke about it last night on Trust and Verify. Sanders is gaining momentum, and I suspect he is the anti-establishment fuck you vote for the Democrats in 2020. Again, for a number of reasons, he got completely publicly um, ass-fucked by the DNC in 2016. And there's a lot of, you know, that left a bitter taste in a lot of people's mouths. A whole bunch of people refused to vote for Hillary Clinton because of the way Sanders was treated. Um, Nancy, the, the corporate media is now in lockstep trying to run the same kind of shoddy smear campaigns that they did against Trump in 2016 against Sanders. I mean, it's almost, it's, it's a cliche now, but he's a sexist, he's a misogynist, he's awful, right? It's the same tropes, the same kind of hacky hit jobs, which only galvanizes his support. So you've got that dynamic as well. You've got the MSNBC rigging that debate with Elizabeth Warren to try and make him out to be a sexist. That made everybody like Bernie more and made everybody hate Elizabeth Warren more. So all of these dynamics play into it. I don't think everybody voting for Bernie Sanders is a socialist either. I think a lot of people who would be, a lot of people might be voting for him just to give the finger to the DNC. Because we know a lot of people voted for Donald Trump without, you know, some kind of, expert level knowledge on the economy or capitalism or social issues and stuff. A lot of people voted for Donald Trump because it was fuck politics, fuck Washington. I mean, even Michael Moore, rabid Bernie supporter and rabid anti-Donald Trumper came out and said basically the same thing, that Donald Trump is the fuck you vote of 2016. So I think it's not out of the realm of possibility to suggest that the same kind of dynamic is working for Sanders now, regardless of what I think of his particular politics and regardless of what I think of his various stances on various things. It's irrelevant. So I saw this clip that was put out on Twitter, and I want you to see if you can identify any similarities to what you might have seen in 2016. Because if you think I'm crazy, if you think that there is absolutely no substance to what I'm saying here. That's okay. That's okay. Just watch this two minute clip and tell me if you see any similarities here. Okay. Coming to you live from Las Vegas, Bernie Sanders has the inside track to the Democratic nomination. 
Let me repeat, Bernie Sanders. He's done. I see Bernie Sanders realizing he won't be in the top five and dropping out. I think Bernie's time. Be careful. I don't understand why he's running now. They need to start knocking some candidates out. Otherwise, the Democratic Party is going to nominate Bernie Sanders. For the Democrats to win, they have to knock Bernie out early. If it's clear that you are not going to be the nominee, will you leave the race? I intend to be the nominee. Bernie Sanders is the most stubborn politician. Stubborn old goat. Who's yelling? Screaming. 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 In the same screechy voice. His time has come and passed. Coming out of Iowa, I would bet on Biden being there. Harris, Warren, Kamala, Cory Booker, Michael Bannon. I think there's a lot of pressure on Bernie. It doesn't appear that there's growth. Should he be thinking about throwing in the towel? Are you seeing any similarities yet? Are you seeing anything that, you know, rekindles a memory for you of 2015, 2016? Anything at all? <laughs> <laughs> <coughs> Pardon me. It's almost as if <clears throat> it's almost as if the Bernie Bro meme creators and people say the meme the left can't meme. Well, this is pretty good. But it's almost as if the Bernie Bro memers took the playbook of the people doing these kinds of videos for Trump in 2016 and basically just copied it and just did the same thing. Collecting all of the little clips of the corporate media saying that he can't win, there's no chance, there's no growth, we don't want him, he's terrible, how about all the other candidates, there's no possible way, if you suggest Sanders, you're a madman, he can't do it, he needs to step away. YouTube, exactly. They make me want to vote for Bernie. Exactly. And I would... You know, I would humbly suggest that a similar thing happened in 2016 when the media, the media has never been as untrusted and unpopular as it is right now in this era. Like, let's say this 10 year period. And it was unpopular and untrusted before Donald Trump even nominated for the presidency. See, it's a lie when they say that Donald Trump has turned people against the media. No, no, no. They were already against the media. I remember reading the fucking polls before Donald Trump was even a thing. People already didn't trust you. People already hated you. All Donald Trump did was air that grievance. All he, all he did was say what the people were already saying about the media. Another reason why people liked him. Hey, this guy hates the media too. They hate him. I must like him then. Anybody who the media hates must be good. It sounds ridiculous, but that is a thing that plays out in people's minds. If everybody is coming out and smashing this guy across the face and saying how awful he is in the corporate press, then he must be good because that's how untrusted the corporate media is. And they haven't learned a goddamn thing in three and a half years they refuse to accept their own irrelevance. They refuse to accept the fact that they do not have, they have influence over people, but just in the reverse of what they think. I know we've, <clears throat> we've mentioned this before, but if you look at CNN, every single candidate that they have supported has gone down, has gone down, like in the toilet. So they came out in support of Kamala Harris. She tanked. They came out of support of uh, Joe Biden. He tanked. They came out in support of Elizabeth Warren. She tanked. Everything that CNN touches turns to shit within a 24-hour period. So they have influence just in the reverse way, in the reverse fashion of what they believe they do. 
but they refuse to accept it. The best possible, if they if they genuinely didn't want Bernie Sanders to win, the best possible thing they could do would be endorse him. Then he would be far less popular, <laughs> believe it or not. But I think it's 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 going too far now. And I'm somebody who didn't think he had a chance either. I thought that he would run out of steam. I thought uh, he got fucked last time. He's going to get fucked again. Like there's no way around it. They're not going to let him take over. Nancy Pelosi, we know, does not want Bernie Sanders. The DNC establishment does not want Bernie Sanders to be the nominee because the second that he is announced as a nominee, uh, millions and millions and millions of dollars that would normally flow into DNC coffers for a president, uh, presidential election dry up. The big business liberals, the big money donor class of the Democrat Party are not going to put money behind a guy who says that they don't have a right to exist. Billionaires are not going to funnel millions of dollars to a candidate who wants to get rid of billionaires. It's not going to happen. He is going to burn the shit to the ground. And maybe that's good enough for a lot of people to go, yeah, fuck it. I'll vote for him because the DNC is out of touch because fuck the DNC, because fuck Hillary Clinton. That might still be a thing. Fuck Nancy Pelosi. We know that Nancy Pelosi on record is the most unpopular speaker of the house since record keeping began. We know that for a fact. <laughs> the polls that were getting taken back in, what was it, 09, 10, something like that. Nancy Pelosi was more unpopular than Adolf Hitler was in Jewish ghettos after the war. <laughs> more Jews in ghettos liked Adolf Hitler than Democrats, Democrats who liked Nancy Pelosi. Believe it or not. <laughs> so you can see what they're doing here, right? You can see what's being created. So, you know, again, I'm not a conclusions guy. I'm not somebody, I'm somebody who says never say never. I can see a lot of similarities here from my vantage point with Donald Trump in 2016 happening with Bernie Sanders right now. So let's carry on. His time has come and passed. Coming out of Iowa, I would bet on Biden being there. Harris, Warren, Kamala, Cory Booker, Michael Bannon. I think there's a lot of pressure. Carol saying, who do you think will be the Dems candidate? Boogie? Well, here's the thing. At first, I thought, well, it's probably going to be Joe Biden because the establishment will rally around him. Uh, the media will protect him and they're going to lock Bernie Sanders out. But now I'm not so sure. I don't I don't I now I don't think Biden has a snowflakes chance in hell. So I'm I'm probably the wrong person to ask. Um you know will it be Bernie Sanders? I don't, it looks better every day. It's looking more likely every day. But then again, like I I can't see, you know, can 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 you guys see Barack Obama endorsing Bernie Sanders even if he wins the nomination? Can you see that happening? I can't. Why would he? It's it's if Bernie Sanders does end up winning the nomination, there will be a political civil war. You won't see it necessarily on the surface, except for the odd comment here and there from people like Pelosi, um, and you know people with the Bernie campaign. But if he wins the nomination, the Democrat Party will implode. They will legitimately, and that, you know, a lot of people might be voting for the Democrats. Maybe that's what the Democrats need. Maybe that's what they need. To have that moment of realization for fate to tap them on the shoulder and say, okay, do you think you've done enough pandering to the far left 
Um, you know, do you think you've done enough pandering to the far left interest groups now? Do you think that you can stop talking about trans women getting abortions and which hole people should piss in when they go to a public toilet? Do you think that you should get back to, you know, focusing on, I don't know, union workers and blue collar workers and middle class aspirational voters outside of New York and LA now? Do you think that you might want to do that now? Maybe this is what they need to reset. Mr. Beard of Truth saying they won't reflect on it. Maybe, but maybe the maybe that won't matter. Maybe people who change the message will then run for office and they will start primarying, primarying, <laughs> primarying uh, the people who don't want to change, right? Maybe that's what will take place. Who knows? But at this stage, in terms of who's the candidate going to be, don't know. But it's looking more like Sanders every day. But I wouldn't, I wouldn't be surprised if they fuck him again. Don't get me wrong. But at this stage, I can't say. It doesn't appear that there's growth. Should he? All I know is um, the people behind, the people who are on the side for Sanders, who are creating content like this, that is being, uh, this has got 1.6 million views, by the way. So the people who are sharing this stuff around, they know what they're doing. They're not silly. They're not the um, the crazy left-can't-meme kind of individual that you've become accustomed to on the internet. I would suggest there are, you know, smart, uh, intelligent, funny, you know, meme creators who are in the tank for Sanders. You know, and I think if you deny that at this point, then you're probably not giving your opponent the due respect that they deserve if you're a Donald Trump person. Be thinking about throwing in the towel. Your polling numbers have gone down a little bit. Just happened to bring it with me. Incredible. Is Bernie done? <laughs> Bernie Sanders was just released from the hospital. We shouldn't expect to see him on the campaign trail in the foreseeable future. To put it bluntly, <laughs> I am back. It's called the AOC primary. Biggest endorsement of the 2020 race. She formally endorsed Sanders in dramatic fashion. Endorsements can be overplayed. I just want to kind of say, duh. I just don't see that he's back. You're disheveled. You're unlikable. Well, guess what? He's in second place nationally. He's more lighthearted. Donald Trump losing badly. Because that's baloney. They're smoking something. It's the only one I didn't want to do. Things are going very, very well for Bernie Sanders. Look, like, look at these, these little clips shoved in here. That just reminds me, you know that famous video that everybody's seen a million times of election night, of all the different states' results rolling in? Trump winning Iowa. Trump winning there. Trump winning Florida. Trump winning, you know what I mean? Oh, Hillary Clinton's definitely going to keep Florida. Donald Trump just won Florida. It's the, it's the same formula. It's the same process that's happening here right now in front of our eyes. And I think people are going to pretend like it's not. You know what I mean? I think people are going to pretend like it's not the same thing. It looks like the same thing to me. <laughs> nationally. He's more lighthearted. Donald Trump losing badly. Because that's baloney. They're smoking something. It's the only one I didn't want to do. Things are going very, very well for Bernie Sanders. 34 points. Even using the classical music in the background. Five million. Twenty-five million in the last month. With six days to go, some are sounding the alarm. Bernie Sanders wins New Hampshire. This comes after Sanders. One there. Look at that. Ladies and gentlemen, CNN projection. Wins New Hampshire. <laughs> hey, look at that. <laughs> if that if that doesn't bring uh feelings of deja vu rampaging back into the frontal lobe, then I, I don't know what to tell you.
if that doesn't shove nostalgia fair up your crack, then nothing will. Right? <laughs> that should that should be shoving nostalgia so hard and fast up your crack that it makes you uncomfortable to sit down. This comes after Sanders won the popular vote in Iowa. I am scared to death. The freak out you will see. Progressive want to march the aristocrats to the guillotine. There's real panic. That there's panic. It's going to be the end of days. There were the executions in Central Park. So I'm not happy. Part of this is beautiful to me because it's something I've been saying for such a long time that I'm sure everybody's sick of he uh, hearing it because repetition is very boring. And, you know, I know people get bored, especially when there's repetition. And I don't like to repeat myself very often because it can be very boring for people. And it's especially boring for people when they have repetition. <laughs> so allow me to repeat myself when I say one of the messages that I've, you know, been, one of the things that I've been saying on this program, as long as I've been doing it, before it was a podcast, when it was just a shit stream with 10 people watching, and it still is a shit stream, but now we've got like 20 people. So it's kind of, it's better. It's twice as good. <laughs> but one of the things I've been saying is, I, one of the things that I try to say to people is, it's not me, the voter versus you, the voter. It's us, the voters versus them. It's us, the voters versus them, the political class. Because we all agree that at the top of the tree, in these two-party systems, there's very little difference between the politicians. Something I've said before, like, you'll find that, and yes, there are conservative-minded people, like, there are conservatives in the Labor Party who happen to be Labor politicians, right? They are the, the right faction of the left-wing party. And there are left-wingers in the right-wing party. I mean, this would be true in the United States just as it is here in Australia, just as, as it is in the UK. You would have politicians in the Republican Party, like you would call them rhinos, like Republicans in name only. Well, here it's more obvious because they actually have factions within the parties. So there's a right wing of the right wing party and there's a left wing of the left wing party and there are moderates in the middle. And on the left wing, in the left wing party, there's a left wing of the left wing party and a right wing of the left wing party. And what we see at elections is only scratching the surface when you see Labor versus Liberal. Our conservative party is called the Liberal Party in terms of classical liberal. <clears throat> what you see at elections is just scratching the surface. But the real fight, the real what politics really is, is the shit that the voters don't see. And that's people within the party itself backstabbing each other, fighting each other, fighting for factional dominance of the party. So for a long time, the right wing of the Conservative Party dominated the Conservative Party. When you saw Tony Abbott get removed and Malcolm Turnbull installed, which was a couple of prime ministers ago now, uh, well, one prime minister ago, that's when the left wing of the Conservative Party took over. That's when they won the factional fight within the party itself. So they then took over. They put all of their people in cabinet positions. They get all of their staffers working in the various committees and whatnot. And then, of course, you saw the popularity of the Conservative Party fucking tank, and they barely hung on. Now the Conservative wing of the Conservative Party has taken over once again, and that's how you get Scott Morrison as PM, right? So what you'll find is... People in the right-wing faction of the Labor Party would rather have dinner and drinks with the people in the right-wing faction of the Conservative Party. 
That's how real those divisions within a party are. They have more in common with the people on the other side who are in the mirrored faction than they do with people in their own party. People in the left-wing faction of the Conservative Party would rather have dinner and drinks with people with the left in the left-wing faction of the Labor Party. This is an undeniable reality here. Everybody knows it. I suspect a similar thing happens in the United States, but it's much, much more hush-hush. People don't talk about it as much. I suspect. Because what all of these politicians have in common is they need us fighting the battle. They agree on a lot more than voters agree on. But not in reality. Just at the shallow end of the pool. The politicians like nothing more than to have us fighting over every single little issue and they presenting themselves as the solution. Because division and partisanship is what keeps pol- it's what keeps the pol- the political class at the top of the tree. So while we're all fighting with each other over whatever shitty little issue happens to be the issue of the day, for them it's business as usual. For them, they're still agreeing on how much money should be going into various things. They're still agreeing on how much money various industries uh, commit to their campaigns. They still agree on who should be donating to them, whether it's the pharmaceuticals industry or what have you, whatever industry it is. For them, it's business as usual. But for us, we're the ones fighting. Fuck you. I hate you. I fucking hate you. Oh, I can't believe you. You fucking piece of shit. Fuck you because you support that guy. Fuck you. It's a lot of it is manufactured. It's confected for their benefit. So we all agree that at the top of the tree, these two parties are essentially the same and just have uh, shallow manufactured differences on various topics. Like again, do I have to point this shit out? Um, both parties, both the the establishment of both parties agree that mass immigration is a good thing. The establishment of both parties agree that trade deals, certain trade deals are a good thing. The establishment of both parties agree on a whole bunch of stuff that you and your fellow voters do not agree on. But when it comes to election time, they adjust. It's it's like a, it's like a duality, like a, a cabal. So at come election time, they adopt various positions, but essentially after the elections are done, then they go back to business as usual and they all get back to agreeing with each other. That's the way it rolls. So it's not me, the voter versus you, the voter. It's us, the voters versus them, the politicians. Because we, it's, if, if we can't uh, get together on certain issues that are important, then we, we cannot influence what the politicians do. The only way that you can influence what politicians do, it's not by 50% of people saying one thing and 50% of people saying the other thing and whoever wins the election gets what they want. No. No, no, no. It's when a majority of people agree that a certain thing should happen, then the politicians are forced to do what you want. Because regardless of partisan lines, regardless of the division, both sides will understand the reality that if they ignore the will of the population, then they will get burned. It's the only way to do it. Us, the voters, not me, the voter versus you, the voter, us, the voters versus them, the political class. And I, th- I think that's what you're seeing here. 
New Hampshire. This comes after Sanders won the popular vote in Iowa. I am scared to death. The freak out you will see. This is the, this is the anti-establishment revolution in the Democrat Party taking place right now. Want to march the aristocrats to the guillotine? There's real panic. That there's panic. It's going to be the end of days. There were the executions in Central Park. So I'm not happy. You're going to be a miserable president. And I might have been one of the ones getting executed. Bernie, you're full of it. Who's the front runner? Pete Buttigieg upset Bernie Sanders in both states. The story is how much ground he's lost. The story is Amy Klobuchar coming in third. That had to be a disappointment. And they're starting to think, would this really happen? I don't understand how Bernie is considered a front runner. He's popular. He literally won the most votes. Bernie Sanders. Flying away. He's about to clinch it. <laughs> flying away. is a phenomenon. We are their worst nightmare. Not bad, huh? And even the tagline at the end, paid for by no one. So I can see a lot of similarities with that kind of content that we saw in 2015, 2016. Um, so again... Speaking to the point of not taking things for granted, crowd sizes. So people wanted to talk about crowd size. Okay. Crowd size has been a hot button issue for the last few years. People have used it as a marker of success. You know, oh, the crowd size, the crowd size. Donald Trump gets good crowds. The Democrats get bad crowds. Okay. Okay. Candidate in the history of the United States. Not a bad crowd size. That is not a bad crowd size at all, right? How about this one? This is a Sanders rally. So, again, okay, so people have spent the last few years saying that crowd sizes are like the best indicator of success. Fine, fine. See, now, Rusty, see, Rusty, you're doing the thing, like, with all due respect, how much did they get paid? They, they say the same thing about Trump rallies, though. They say the exact same thing about Trump. You say, oh, that's ridiculous. So that, I, I would say that's the first mistake, right? to just fall back into that kind of trope. And you, you're probably only joking, fair enough. But the thing that's going to annoy people, right, the thing that's going to be plainly obvious and stupid is when the same people who have been talking about crowd sizes for the last three years look at clips like this of this crowd size and now they're going to switch. This is the kind of shit that I have to point at and say, no, nah, sorry, can't do it. Now they're going to look at crowd sizes like this and say, ah, crowd sizes don't matter that much. Crowd sizes aren't that important. <laughs> you know it's going to fucking happen. You know you're going to have your friend who has a red hat so tightly sewn into their skull that they have been spending the last three years saying, look at our crowd sizes. Nobody can compete with our crowd sizes. Our crowd sizes are the best. Nobody else gets crowds. Crowds are the most important thing. Look at our crowd sizes. We love our crowd sizes. And then when they see pictures like this, they are just going to switch instantaneously without even thinking about it, without even reflecting on how fucking ridiculous they look. And they're going to start saying, ah, who cares about crowd sizes? Nobody cares about crowd sizes. Crowd sizes aren't that important. <laughs> 
you know it's going to fucking happen. You know it will happen. Like clockwork. Like clockwork. Mr. Bearded Truth. Crowd sizes are only important when I'm winning. And Jennifer Briggs, oh, they'll say, yeah, oh, that's a fluke, right? So the the meme creators are doing their thing and it looks a lot like 2016. The crowd sizes are starting to look like a lot, a lot like 2016. And again, the same people who said the memes won it and the crowd sizes won it are going to pretend like that doesn't exist anymore. They're going to pretend like that's not valid anymore. <laughs> And it's, and it's going to be people like me who say, well, hang on, last week you were talking about how important crowd sizes are and now you're saying that crowd size isn't important. Last week you were talking about how popular memes are and now you're saying that memes aren't that important. It's going to be people like me who then get the, who get the regular treatment. Oh, what do you fucking know? Shut up. Why are you even talking about it in the first place? You're a fucking traitor. I don't think he even likes Donald Trump anymore. What? Are you fucking stumping up for Bernie now? Are you a fucking Bernie bro, bro? Are you a fucking communist? <laughs> <laughs> which I will, uh, which I will laugh at profusely, whilst I take another sip of Irish whiskey and coke, and I will sleep comfortably in the knowledge that I'm not uh, a deranged, one-sided uh, halfwit <laughs> who can actually look at things and say what it is instead of lying to myself and pretending that it's not the thing that I thought was important last week, but now I don't think so. That 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 brings me joy being able to do that. So, you know, be on the look at when it happens, act surprised, but I guarantee you it's going to fucking happen. The same people who said crowd sizes are the most important thing will now be saying that crowd sizes aren't that important. Give it a week or so. Marianne Williamson, ladies and gentlemen, she's back. Woo, she's back. Our girl. Can I can I get a round of applause in the chat for Marianne Williamson? We've missed her, haven't we? Haven't we missed Marianne? That kooky spiritual lady. Oh, isn't she a delight? Isn't she wonderful? Isn't she fantastic? I, I, I've got to admit, I have a little thing for Marianne. And it's not a sexual thing, but I would love to... I, she's the kind of woman that I would love to sit down and have a cup of tea with. <laughs> and I don't even drink tea. That's how, far, that's how far out of my comfort zone I'm willing to go. I would love to sit down and have a cup of tea with Marianne. And maybe a crumpet, maybe a scone with some jam on it. And just let Marianne tell me about what she feels, what she thinks about the world, right? And just enjoy it. Just sit back and enjoy it. And then do the break the golden rule of being a man. That is, you know, when you have a woman asking her this question, you never, by the way, lads, don't ever do this unless you're a professional, unless you want the punishment. Never say to a woman, and then what happened? <laughs> That is the golden rule that you never break. So I would let Marianne talk about the universe, talk about energy, talk about spirituality whilst I'm having a cup of tea and a scone with a bit of jam on it. And then when it looks like she's pausing for breath or pausing for thought, I would interject with, and then what happened? Only with Marianne. <laughs> so she's now, she's back. She's back, baby. But she's back and she's on Team Bernie. Let's have a look. In honor of our ancestors and in deep devotion to generations who will come after us. We now look back at the abolitionists and we look back at the segregationists. Excuse me, we look back at the civil rights workers. <laughs> we look back at the segregationists. <laughs> Based Marianne. <laughs> 
We love the founders of this country. We look back at the civil rights movement. We look back at the workers. We look back at our ancestors. We look back at the segregationists. Oh, excuse me. The abolitionists. I always get those two mixed up. <laughs> and we look back at the abolitionists and we go, wow, they did it. They had the fierceness. They had the grit. They had the courage. They had the grace. They stood up for what America can be. And let one day generations look back at us and let us know that we did what those before us have done. And we said in our time to the forces who would say it can't be done. This liberty and justice stuff. One of the reasons why I wanted to play this wasn't so much for Marianne, but just from a technical side, look at what's happening here. So you can see on the screen, right? You can just see it down the bottom. Look what the uh, Sanders people are doing. They're, they're embracing the internet, right? They're, they're doing stuff that the other candidates don't do. So you look at the meme, you look at the video that we've played earlier, very uh, reflective, very indicative of what was happening in 2015, 2016 with the Donald Trump movement. Um, you look at the rally sizes, right? They've got a similar kind of energy. They're starting to get similar size crowds. Look on the screen here. So you've got live chat. So they're somebody, they're using Streamlabs. You can use Streamlabs here. Streamlabs.com slash boogie bumper, right? <clears throat> so they're using Streamlabs to get these little widgets up on the screen. Like a lot. It's like interactive for the people at home. I don't know if Trump's done a similar thing. But if Brad Pascal is the, you know, the internet genius that everyone claims he is, and I'm not suggesting that he's not, but this would be something that I would be doing. So people with the best comments, their chat goes up on the live stream, which thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of people are watching at home. Every time somebody donates, it goes up on the stream, like their name pops up on the screen, right? That, can, that kind of thing can be very powerful for a, a political campaign. Because it's like if Bernie Sanders is trying to market his campaign as like we're for the people, right? It's all small donations. Remember at the end of that clip, paid for by no one. Like it was a free meme that got put out there. He's always talking about we've, we've got the most small donations. We've got the, small, the, the most small donations from individual people. We're not taking money from anybody. We're not taking money from the billionaires, right? So... They've got the goal thing. People donate to the stream. Their name pops up. People are selecting certain, you know, comments to show up on the screen. It's, it's not. It's not dumb. It's not dumb. Uh, people, you know, they're learning. You know, when you said uh, the left can't meme, did you think that that was going to be the case forever? <laughs> when you said the left can't meme and the left don't know what they're doing, did you think that that was always going to be the case, or did you give them enough credit to say, well, they're probably going to learn, they're going to get better at it? Maybe you did, maybe you didn't. It's a dream. It's just something you talk about. But when it gets in the way of the financial interests of a few, you can't have that. And we have been trained in America over the last few decades to expect too little, to say pretty please about things that should be the right of every American. Today, today, look at the comments popping up in the bottom left hand corner. Please. We're going to stand up. We're going to show up because we woke up and we're going to say with grace, we're going to say with style, we're going to say to all those who say liberty and justice cannot be done sure hell can be because we're here and we're with bernie i like her <laughs> she's a good speaker i'm always a sucker for a good speaker she's she's good at what she does man
she was um she was she's been a public speaker for decades now. She's been on the like the weird sort of you know spiritual. I don't know what you call them, evangelical, non-Christian kind of weird fucking spiritual movement. But she's been doing like like a televangel, exactly, Movie Time Blues. She's been doing these kinds of speeches for a long, long time, right? So she's very good at what she does. Um, she's just crazy. As a cut, she's mad as a cut snake, so nobody can fucking vote for her. But as a speaker at a rally to like rev the crowd up, she's fucking great. So... <clears throat> I want you to contrast what the Sanders uh, crew are doing, what the Sanders troop are doing with Amy Klobuchar. This video, I I laughed and laughed and laughed, laughed my ass off. (laughs) Because this is is the complete, uh, you know, this is the exact opposite of what the Sanders crew are doing. And I think, like I said, I think they're showing you that they're learning and I, I think they're showing you that they're actually getting better at what they do. And this represents, I think, to me, like a, an anti-establishment movement on the Democrat side of the aisle. So, you know, you can say that it's it's absolutely got no chance. It's fucking impossible. It's ridiculous. But then just, I mean, you know, don't be a goldfish and remember that the corporate media and the, the Democrats were saying the exact fucking thing word for word about you four years ago. So it's, do what you fucking want. But I've got no, like, I have no hesitation in saying that they, they were saying the exact fucking thing that you're saying now about you four years ago. And you loved the six months or the 12 months or the three years after that election, rubbing it in their faces, how stupid they were to pretend like you had no chance. I mean, be forget. I don't care. Be forgetful if you want. You just look fucking stupid if you do. Um, <laughs> so this is what Amy Klobuchar is doing. This, this is, I'll just let it play. The president actually sent out a tweet. He made fun of me for talking about climate change in the middle of a blizzard, and he called me Snow Woman. Yeah. So I wrote back, hey, Donald Trump, the science is on my side, and I'd like to see how your hair would fare in a blizzard. <laughs> so I wrote back, hey, Donald Trump, the science is on my side. <laughs> It's good, huh? Huh? Hey, 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 Deaf Comedy Jam with Amy Klobuchar. The, the joke was so fucking good. The joke was so good. I now need to hear it repeatedly every single day. The president actually sent out a tweet. He made fun of me for talking about climate change in the middle of a blizzard, and he called me Snow Woman. <laughs> so I wrote <laughs> back, hey, Donald Trump, the science is on my side, and I'd like to see how your hair would fare in a blizzard. <laughs> so I wrote back, hey, Donald Trump, the science is on my side, and I'd like to see how your hair would fare in a blizzard. Oh, it's, it's creepy, man. It's creepy to me because... Like you'll, I've I've told the same joke, a di- I've told a bunch of different jokes, that, but I've said the same joke to different audiences, right? To different people. Like if somebody says, "Hey, tell us a fucking joke," I'll say I'll say one of my classics, my go tos. 
one of the ones that I think is going to get a laugh. But it's probably a joke that I've told 20 times. But it's it's you can never say it the same way exactly unless you train to do it. But it's so creepy because not only is it the exact same tone and the exact same timing and the exact same cadence, like she's been training, it's the same facial expressions. It's the same way that she moves her head when she says different words. Like she's been telling this joke over and over and over again in front of the mirror or something. It's weird to me. It's creepy. It's very creepy. Look, watch this again. Pay because I'm I'm kind of autistic with stuff like this. So pay special attention to the position of her head, the the expression on her face, that that weird sort of evil smile that she gets at the same point in the joke. You want a joke? <laughs> I didn't. I, I didn't say that so you would ask me to tell. I'll tell you a joke. All right. Um, a guy walks up to his wife with a duck under his arm. And he says, this is the pig I've been fucking for the last 10 years. And his wife says, that's not a pig. And he says, I was talking to the duck. There you go. There's a joke for you. So she, watch it again, because she makes the exact same head movements, the exact same facial expressions. It's like she is a robot programmed to tell this joke. It's creepy to me. So I wrote back, hey, Donald Trump, the science is on my side, and I'd like to see how your hair would fare in a blizzard. So I wrote back, hey, it's like Donald the Trump, same the science is on footage. my side, and I'd like to see how your hair would fare in a blizzard. She even, she even turns the same way when she says it. From left to right, as she t- as she's delivering the punchline, her head turns at the same speed and ends up in the same place with the same smile. Don't you think that's fucking weird? So I wrote back, Donald Trump, the science is on my side. And I'd like to see how your hair would fare in a blizzard. Sometimes, if you haven't noticed, you use a little humor. Like when he called me Snow Woman at my announcement in the middle of that thing, I wrote back on Twitter, I'd like to see how your hair would fare in a blizzard. So I wrote back, hey, Donald. (laughs) We've noticed something now. So she does it the certain way when she's behind a podium, but when she's just got the microphone in her hand, when she's not behind a podium, she does it a different way, but it's the same way. So she has a podium delivery and a non-podium delivery. <laughs> and and each have their own method, but the methods never cross. She never does a podium delivery to a non-podium audience, and she never does a non-podium audience to a podium audience. So look, the so because at the end of the joke, she kind of keels over a little bit like she's holding her ribs because it's so fucking hilarious. <laughs> She does the same thing when she's not... I guess if she was behind a podium and she did that, she'd donk her head on the wood, right? You can't do that. You need to train on your non-podium delivery. I'd like to see how your hair would fare in a blizzard. See that move there? Sometimes, if now you watch haven't again. noticed, you use a little humour. Like when he called me Snow Woman at my announcement in the middle of that thing, I wrote back on Twitter... I'd like to see how your hair would fare in a blizzard. There it is. (laughs) I would love to play cards with Amy Klobuchar. (laughs) 
She's the kind of chick. She's the kind of chick that whenever she has an ace, she puts her hand on the table a certain way. Whenever she's got nothing, she looks at a certain part of the room. You know what I mean? Whenever she's got a good hand, she picks up her chips a certain way and puts them in the middle a certain way. <laughs> you would, I would fucking send her broke. <laughs> so I wrote back. He's, he's the podium hey, delivery Donald again. Donald Trump. So I wrote back. Uh, hey, Donald Trump. So I wrote back. I wrote back. I tweeted back. The, the science, science is on, on my, my side. side. And I'd like to see how and your like hair would fare. And I'd like to see how your hair fares in a blizzard. And I'd like to see how your hair would fare in a blizzard. Mr. Umbrella Man. Mr. Umbrella Man. And he called me Snow Woman. God. So I wrote back. Pete Buttigieg. Pete Buttigieg. Even Buttigieg is sitting in the crowd going, Not again. I have heard this joke. So many times. Pete Buttigieg. Pete Buttigieg turns to his husband and says, can you believe this fucking bitch? <laughs> Even Pete Buttigieg. Like the, the quintessential program politician himself can't handle the repetition because repetition is very boring. As you all know on this show, I try to avoid repetition at all costs because it's very boring. Some people get bored watching the show and I understand. People are asking me to move on, probably because you're bored. And repetition is very boring. You know, I would I would not like to engage in repetition, but if I had to, I think it would I think, you know, most people would find it very boring. You know, and I'm not the only one who gets bored with repetition, because repetition is very boring. That's my bit and I'm sticking with it. All right, should we check in? Should we check in on? Uh, should we check in on John McAfee? Do you know what? Maybe we'll leave John McAfee for now. Oh, I, I almost forgot this video. Uh, somebody who I've got a lot of time for, even though I disagree vehemently with his politics, even though I disagree vehemently with his ideology. Somebody I've got a lot of time for as an analyst and as an intelligent, articulate man is Van Jones. I've said it before on a show. And no, I'm not ashamed of it. No, if you think that me playing uh, a minute of Van Jones speaking proves that I'm a communist, no, you're the fucking idiot here. Van Jones is a very smart guy who gets a lot of stuff. He understands framing. He understands messaging. He understands optics. A lot of what Van Jones has been doing over the last two two to three years is basically begging his own party to, to wise up. He's a sent in his own way, in his polite way. He's basically been using his platform to beg his Democrat party to stop being fucking stupid. So, I, you know, I, the thing I point to, Van Jones, after Donald Trump's first State of the Union address, uh, Van Jones was the one who said, I forget which moment it was, I think it was when Donald Trump addressed uh, the veteran in the audience, not the one that just happened, but the one before. And Van Jones said, if he can keep if he can keep doing stuff like that, then he he's going to win again. Now, if he can keep doing that kind of shit as president, then we can't beat him. Van Jones was the guy who gave him praise on CNN for the Prison Reform Act, which is something that Van Jones Van Jones isn't stupid enough to be against things that he is for for the sake of partisanship. Which I'm sad to say, uh, you know, regardless of party affiliation, a lot of people are. 
a lot of people now will pretend to will think that they are against something just because their guy or their party says that they should be, even if they were for it a few weeks earlier. That's the state that we're now living in, rightly or wrongly. You know, like the crowd size thing. People will say that crowd sizes are no longer important just because somebody else is getting good crowds. And I, I can't handle that kind of that is that is below, you know, dumb to me. I can't handle that kind of shit. So Van Jones is he's smart enough to recognize that he has to maintain at least the appearance of the principled stuff. And people that deal with him in private say that he is that kind of a guy, even if you disagree with him. So, you know, being against something for the sake of being against it just because the person you're against is now for it, that's stupid to me. There's there's no there's no winning in that. You 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 become a, a satire of yourself at that point. So here's what he had to say about the Bernie Sanders phenomenon. I mean, people uh, in the establishment's jaws are hanging off their faces. Uh, nobody uh, six months ago thought we'd be sitting here with Bernie Sanders on his way to the nomination. He's on his way to the nomination. Uh, now something could happen to stop him. Uh, somebody might have some marbles to throw on the stairs or banana peel. They better they better find it. Money. <laughs> they better find it because this guy is off and running. And he has, he's, he's done something extraordinary. Uh, first of all, and I'm sure we'll hear about it from you, this is a youth quake. You got a new generation stepping up. They're not scared of any of these ideas, and they're, and they're tired of hearing Republicans call everything that we say socialist. So they've ruined the word socialist. It's, it doesn't mean anything for, for the younger people. Uh, you've got the Latinos uh, stepping up now in a major, major way behind Bernie Sanders. He's running as if he's a Latino candidate now. Um, and these ideas are no longer as scary to a whole bunch of Democratic voters. This could be a disaster for us in the general election. It's hard to know, but this is a phenomenon. And, uh, you know, we, we got to acknowledge people underestimated Bernie Sanders every step of the way, including today. I, I don't see where he's wrong. I don't see where I don't see where he's messed that up. I don't I can't identify a point that he's just made there that is like ob, objectively, obviously false. Can you? And if your point is, fuck Bernie Sanders, then you're not getting the point. <laughs> you're, not, you're not understanding what he's getting at. <clears throat> so let's move on. Van Jones, ladies and gentlemen, as always, everything we refer to. Very politics-heavy show tonight. I, I try not to do too much politics. Uh, you know what? I want, I want to show you Vermin Supreme, and I want to do the libertarian stuff. Van is right there. Thank you, Mr. America, the beard of truth. Maybe just one quick video, one short one, before we get to Vermin Supreme. The, 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 the main rival I see to this program's preferred candidate for 2020, that being John McAfee. And we'll, we'll catch up with John tomorrow on tomorrow's show. Why not pat it out a little bit? I saw this video uh, last week. It's been in the file. It's been waiting to come out. And... <laughs> I, I, I didn't know what to make of it. I watched like the first 45 seconds or so. And so I am a pizza aficionado. If I'm not eating steak, I'm eating pizza. Love a good pizza. Can't get enough pizza. If I had to choose a favorite fast food, it would be pizza. Without, without any shadow of a doubt. I've had them all and I love them all. <laughs> so I saw this. Tips you never thought you needed for eating pizza. And I thought, hang on a minute. This is sacrilege. So I'm sure that a lot of you, uh, whether you're from, say, New York or Chicago, um, we, we ignore the people from Detroit because they have those weird 
gravestone square pizzas, which I, I, you know, I'm not a fan. I, I don't want to know, really. Hey, eat our pizza. It's not even round. Nah. No, thanks. <laughs> Just going to leave that there. I, I don't know if I told this story on the show or not, but um, there's, there's in Sydney, there's a pizza place. Uh, it's Detroit Pizza. And I just thought it's so strange because like in the city of Sydney, the rents are fucking astronomical. They're ridiculous. But this new pizza place opened up and it's like, come and style, come and eat Detroit style pizza. Come and eat Detroit style pizza. And I just thought, okay, you're, you're opening a pizza store in Sydney. You're not, you're not going with New York style. You're not going with Chicago style, which I like. Basically, that's it in the world of American pizza, I would suspect, is Chicago or New York. And that's the battle line. You're going with Detroit. Like, who, who gives a fuck about Detroit pizza? <laughs> you know what I mean? Exactly. Why? <laughs> why would you choose Detroit pizza? I'm going to open up a pizza store and we're going to do Detroit style. And like 90% of the people walking past the pizza place would go, I didn't even know there was a Detroit style. What the fuck are you talking about? But apparently there is. It's that weird square pizza. So who gives a fuck about what Detroit is doing in pizza? Nobody cares. So, so here are some tips for eating pizza, apparently. Who knew pizza could be dangerous? <laughs> Good comment in the chat from Truth Hurts. Do people get robbed inside? <laughs> a just-released study. Yes, but it's preferable to the Chicago pizza place where people get shot, to be fair. It reveals that each year, about 3,800 people go to the emergency room for pizza-related incidents. <laughs> And 3,800 people a year go to the hospital because of pizza. Oh, yeah. yeah it's just, <laughs> we are at the top of the food chain. <laughs> Fuck. How is that even a thing? So, okay. So, what are you thinking? I can see a Detroit pizza there in the background, by the way. That weird square fucking thing. So, pizza-related incidents. Yeah. <laughs> so, that's what I was thinking, Monica. Pizza burns, right? So, would it be, do you think, the main injury, would it be, like, hot toppings? Right, people just diving in, which, you know, if you open a fresh, nice, hot, steaming hot pizza, ah, you get that smell. You just fucking dive in, man. Give it to me. And that hot cheese just melting off the side. Fuck yeah, let's do this. Having a good night tonight. So would you think that it's the the hotness of the topping that is causing the incidents? Like that's causing the injury? That would have to be the bulk, wouldn't it? That would have to be most of it, right? People getting burns, mouth burns from the hot, toppings from the hot cheese be careful pizza man is the devil I, I, then i sit at the right hand of the devil sorry <laughs> if the pizza man is the devil yeah burn so if you bite into the into the pizza and the top and the cheese like melted fucking cheese can burn you it can cause it like it can leave a scar melted cheese it's like lava when it comes out of the oven people go to the emergency room for pizza-related incidents. Pizza incidents. The causes range from slicing your finger while cutting a pizza <laughs> to burning your mouth That's eating what, a hot slice. Uh, burning your mouth eating a hot slice. That's the, my first thought. Slice. 
Be very careful. It's 550 degrees in here. 550 degrees. Reporter Allison Hall got some pizza safety tips at Imperial Pizzeria in Lindenhurst, New York. Look at the size of that Tip monster. Tip number one. Be very careful around a... I do think the New Yorkers, though, to be fair, I think they rely on the size too much. Like, I think that New Yorkers think just because their pizzas are heaps bigger that it's better. I don't know. But then again, like, I do like a wood-fired pizza with, uh, like, you know, it's deep dishy, deep dishy, but not to the extent that the Chicagoans do it. Because once once you pile on like fucking twenty four different toppings and the toppings are like three inches thick on top of the fucking base, it's not a pizza anymore. At that point, you may as well eat it out of a fucking bowl. It is a bowl of roasted crap. At that point, that you can't keep on top of the fucking on, on top of the pie. You know, it's <laughs> so there's got to be a happy medium though, right? Hot oven. It's probably where a lot of these injuries occur is burning from a hot oven like this. Correct. So you're, you're always careful, always cautious. Tip number two, let the pizza cool down. No, fuck you. <laughs> you do not let the pizza cool down. You eat it hot out of the oven. Before cutting in. What happens is the cheese and the sauce is extremely, extremely hot. Yeah. If that cheese or sauce gets on your hands, you will have second degree burns. You're ready to eat because, again, it's not jiggling. The, the sauce and the cheese has solidified. <laughs> How many of you knew this? How many of you knew this? You can't eat a pizza until the topic stops jiggling. Did you know this? Again, it's a very New York centric um, help, you know, help video though. Because if you get a Chicago pizza, it's never going to stop jiggling. Somebody can walk into the room ten feet away, and when they close the door, the toppings will shake because it's piled on like it's it's piled on like marshmallows on top of Jello. It never stops wobbling because it's so fucking deep. Bite a little bit. Uh, the crust has cooled down a little bit. And again, just take a simple little bite. Don't shove a big chunk of pizza in your mouth and gobble down. I know you're hungry. I know you want that pizza. You're I dying do. to have it. Okay. And then just a little bite to test it. Correct. Do I need to blow on it or anything? If you like. <laughs> <laughs> just blow on it. <laughs> Should I blow on it? If you like. If you like, that's what you got to do. Don't touch it until it stops jiggling. And then when you pick it up, don't put it all in your mouth all at the one time and just blow on it a little bit if you feel like it, if that's what you want to do over there. Okay. See, this, the slice is too big. I'm gonna, I, I don't care if this makes me even more unpopular. <clears throat> the slice is far too big. That is unmanageable. I like I like a I like a good slice. Like I like a decent slice, but a two-handed slice I can't handle. I, I want a one-handed slice. I want to be able to eat it while I'm driving. You know what I mean? That's my test for everything. If a burger is so big that I can't eat it while I'm driving, then it's too much hassle. It's it's more hassle than it's worth. It's hot, but not too hot. It's perfect. And it's not burning you. And it's delicious. Thank you. Tip number three. Use a pizza cutter so your fingers won't get sliced. So now this is how we take a pie out of the oven. Again, you'll see it's still... Oh, look at the Bernie. Look at the Bernie on the crust there. He's a Bernie, bro. Look how he's burnt the fucking crust off. See, that's too much That's too much crust crispiness. I like a soft base. I like my pizza base to be to the point... Like, I don't want it crispy. I want it to the point where it's just cooked enough. 
Like even I want it to taste a little doughy. You know what I mean? Just a teeny tiny bit. It's a it's you've got to be it's got to be timed to perfection. Because if it's in the oven like two minutes longer, then it's ruined. It has to be just exactly right, just at the moment where it ceases to be dough and becomes a pizza base. But then it's I want to be able to taste the dough. If it's if it's burn up like this fucking piece of shit that he's pulling out here again, Detroit. Fuck you, Detroit. <laughs> fuck you and your weird square pizza. <clears throat> but if it's getting pulled out here and you, like you could tap it with a spoon and it cracks, like that's that's no, nah, that's too far. That's disgusting. That's throw it in the throw it in the bin and try again, sir. Jiggling, it's still hot, and we'll place it into a box. A lot of people make a mistake. I cut the pizza, I give it to the customers, and this is what they do with it. They'll bring it up as a, as a suitcase or and put lean it, up it and lean it. And what happens, it, a lot of the hot sauce or the cheese can get on them and will burn them. Pizza isn't the only... Imagine getting burned by the hot sauce while you're carrying the pizza box. Prizing food, sending people to the emergency room. Topping the list of dangerous foods is fish. Uh, you don't put fish on a pizza. Fuck sardines even. You know what? I will allow, I'll allow sardines, but the, the ratio can only be like one sardine per slice. You know what I mean? That's it. Any more than that. And you fucking, you may as well go to the fishmongers, but who's putting like chopped up fucking salmon and shit on a pizza. That is, that is foul. There is something wrong with these people. If you put, if you put fucking salmon steaks or whatever the fuck that is on a pizza, you should be arrested. <laughs> you should be shot on sight. If if you anchovy, okay, anchovies just like I said, sardines or anchovies, but just it can only be like one per slice. That's it. Like a little bit of bitterness and saltiness, fine, I get that, but mm, it's a fine fucking line. Like I don't get it. I'll have olives, but not too many. If there's too many olives on it, I'm like, nah, all I can taste it. Because the taste is so overpowering, that's all you can taste then. If you have too many anchovies on a pizza, that's all you can taste. Like I said, you may as well go down to the fishmonger and just fucking dive, just smash your head into the cabinet where all the fish pieces are and just start rubbing your face into the ice where they keep all the fish guts. You may as well do that. It's going to taste the exact same way. Don't waste your money and get a pizza. So if you want sardines or anchovies, just like one per slice, fine. But this shit here, it, it, the, the second that you, if you're standing next to a pizza base and you are chopping up fucking like steaks of fish, then a, like a little red dot should come, should show up through the window. We should have, we should have marauding gangs of death squads taking these people out on site, like in the kitchen. A little red dot will just go and end up on your temple and it's just one pop. Okay, we saved people from having to eat fucking fish on a pizza. More than 15,000 injuries a year. Also on the list, can you believe, cake. Cake sends 1,700 <laughs> stupid cake eaters. people to the ER each year. Hamburgers lead to about 21... <laughs> 2,100 injuries from fucking hamburgers. 100 injuries a year. Usually from people trying to separate frozen patties. Well, that's easily fixed. Don't buy frozen patties, you peasant. Make your own fucking hamburger. Just get the mince, get the salt, get the pepper. Cheese. Squish it together. Smoosh it together. Put a little bit of egg in it if you want to help it bind. 
maybe a little bit of soaked bread in with the hamburger patty and then you squish it together. Make your own hamburger patties, man. Why the hell are you buying frozen hamburgers? What the fuck is wrong with you? Serious question. You are mentally ill if you're buying frozen hamburgers. Yep. And I don't care. If you're in the chat right now and you're buying frozen hamburgers, fuck you. (laughs) You are part of the problem. Cheese sends 3,700 people to the hospital. Cheese! (laughs) Blame the cheese grater. Stephen Colbert cut himself using one during a cooking segment. Good. (laughs) I'm bleeding. Chef Frank Proto from the Institute of Culinary Education The Institute of Culinary Education Shows us the safe way to handle these foods I mean, if, if somebody has to teach you how to cut the cheese Then I'm sorry, I'm giving, you're, we've given up on you Society has moved past you <laughs> Okay, when we butcher, we freeze some patties But we don't do store-bought, that's fine If you freeze your own patties, then fine Like, I'm not, I'm not going to... Um, you know, be against that at all. You can absolutely freeze your own patties. That's fine. So there you have it. How the do's and do not do's of eating pizza. Now, I want to get into this, ladies and gentlemen. The Libertarian Presidential Candidates for 2020. I hope uh, our good friend, Mr. Beard of Truth, is still in the chat. Uh, There's a lot of stuff to break down here, and I'm still praying. I'm crossing my fingers. I'm crossing my toes. I'm praying to Marianne Williamson to ask her strange fucking spirit god or whatever the fuck she prays to, to give us a live stream of the libertarian debates. Like, like, it has to be live, though. And like I said on the show, if they do a live stream of the libertarian debates, I will live stream. We will do live commentary of the libertarian debates on this show. I will even try to get some real libertarians on the show so they can argue with each other and call each other statists and communists and fascists and everything else because they think that, uh, you know, roads should be paid for by taxpayers or something. I, I will happily do that. The libertarian debates are far more entertaining than the major parties. These people do not give a fuck. So let's, I just want to give you a little primer before I introduce to you the main you know, the main roadblock to our preferred candidate here on the Daily Boogie, that being John McAfee, ladies and gentlemen, and we'll catch up with John tomorrow. The main roadblock to this is a guy named Vermin Supreme, who apparently has been doing this for about 20 years. He's been running for president, believe it or not. So (laughs) just a quick little primer before we get on to Vermin Supreme. Do you want me to get Spike on it? Please, if you can get Spike on the show, we will get we will have Spike on the show and talk about libertarianism. The Libertarian Party of California hosted a convention this past weekend in Culver City to gain high energy crowd, huh? Huh? Looking good. In a clearer view of who the party wanted for their presidential nominee in 2020, libertarianism. I, I, it seems as though only white people and one Hispanic are part of the Californian Libertarian Party conference. So that's an issue. There's a political philosophy that stresses, among other things, individual rights, free markets, and limiting government power. Look, I mean, libertarianism is a radical philosophy, and it's a growing movement. Uh, just a general reminder, libertarianism is a radical philosophy. Yeah, depends on how you define radical, but... Most of your founding uh, fathers were radicals. If you're an American, most of your founding fathers were radicals and uh, most of the founding principles of your nation are based on libertarian thought, believe it or not. 
But we're not there yet with a critical mass of people that can bring this shift to a free society that we're fighting for. But that's what we're aiming for, and, and that's just really up to Californians and to the American people. Some prominent libertarian politicians... Woo! Ron Paul! Ron Paul, represent! ...would include former U.S. Representative Ron Paul, who last ran for president in 2012 as a Republican, and his son... <laughs> Jennifer Briggs in the chat. Touche. Crowds don't mean anything, Boogie. <laughs> Senator Rand Paul. Well done. Nice callback, by the way. I, I had to mention it, even though we would be doing some repetition. And I know most people find repetition very boring. You know, when most people complain about how boring the show is, it's generally because of the repetition. And I understand because repetition can be very boring. But a callback like that, I'm gonna have to, I'm gonna have to, you know, direct people's attention to it, even though we're being a little repetitious, and even though some people find repetition boring. Maybe most people find repetition boring. I know when I get bored, it's generally because of repetition. Who ran as a president as a Republican in 2016? On the flip side, Lincoln Chafee is a former governor and U.S. senator from Rhode Island. You you cannot vote for a guy that has. Steen. On the. You cannot vote for a guy who looks like that. No. <laughs> He just look. He lo he just looks like a crazy man. He looks like the kind of guy who feeds pigeons at the at the you know he feeds pigeons at the lake with with stale bread that he finds in his house and he doesn't know who bought the bread or how it ended up in his pantry but it's there nonetheless. Loaves and loaves and loaves of stale bread with mold on the outside. He doesn't know where it comes from. He can't remember where he bought it from. He doesn't know the baker that he goes to, but he just picks up his loaf of bread every day and heads down to the lake to, um, you know, give the pigeons free bread. That's what he looks like to me in a suit. Chaffee, uh, Mr. See, I'm going to, I'm going to be leaning on Mr. America here because he knows these guys better than I do. He says, uh, Chaffee is a gun grabber. So there you go. Now I assume in terms of, in the libertarian definition, <clears throat> correct me if I'm wrong, Gun grabber is probably a term that is applied to anybody who isn't for everybody having a gun at all times. Like even if a baby comes out of the womb, the first thing it should get is not medical treatment, but a nine mil. Like I think if you're against that, then you're a gun grabber, I think. <laughs> Flip side, Lincoln Chafee is a former governor and U.S. Senator from Rhode Island who previously ran as a Democrat in the 2016 presidential election. Ah, fuck him off. <laughs> Fuck him off. Democrat turned libertarian? Perish the thought. There shall be no such utterances made. Fuck this guy. Now he's running as a libertarian. Oh, he's for red flag laws. Oh, yeah, fuck him. I found the democratic process I ran for president uh, in the 16th cycle when Hillary Clinton. Fuck this guy. He's just looking for a job so he can get back in on the, uh, get back in with the Democrats. I know. I'll go into the Libertarian Party. That will be my, that will be my wily scheme to get back to the top of the political pile. <laughs> I'll infiltrate the Libertarians. Clinton was the uh, nominee and I found the process uh, almost corrupt. Uh, the DNC and the Clinton campaign were one and the same. Uh, okay, so he's a Democrat who wants a better chance of winning. There you go really soured me on the Democratic Party and the whole process. So I looked at other parties and uh, saw anti-war, saw anti-deficit, saw anti-capital punishment, saw pro-gay rights, and uh, so many other things. The Libertarian Party is the third biggest party in the United States, and it aims to focus the political philosophy of libertarianism into its own party, which may or may not. Is it is it always, uh, the Libertarian Party always getting... Um 18-year-old interns to do their voiceovers. The Libertarian Party is focused on individual rights. 
you know, like, uh, is the I don't know, is the Cato Institute doing this or the Libertarian Party doing this? Where's the nice, booming, you know, bassy, authoritative voice? The Libertarian Party is focused on individual rights. The Libertarian Party is the third biggest party in the United States of America. The Libertarian, the Libertarian Party is even. I would even. I would even settle for a hay-chewing Southerner. Ding. Well, she here. The Libertarian Party is the third biggest party in the United States of America. I would. I would settle for that over. Show success in 2020. Show success in 2020. It's an absolute legitimate movement. It is the only solution to the crises and chaos that Democrats and Republicans have forced it upon our land. You take any area where there's a crisis, immigration, health care, foreign policy, drug war, uh, anything, social security, out of control spending and debt, They're the only solution to this chaos and crisis is libertarianism. It doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't even have to be libertarianism. It doesn't have to be... I would say that the, and you know, you can take it or leave it. I would say the only way to fix issues of censorship and encroachment by the state, you can't fix the problem of freedom with less freedom, right? You can't fix censorship with less freedom. You can't fix government with more government. You can't fix socialism with more socialism. You can't fix taxation with more taxation, you can't fix welfare with more welfare. You can't fix spending with more spending. So if the fundamental issue is that, uh, you know, in the Western world, our freedoms are being encroached upon, which, you know, if you've listened to this podcast for any stretch of time, you would know that that's one of our fundamental focuses, you know, here on this show is how our freedoms are being stripped away, attacked, chipped away, eaten away on a daily and on, on a minute to minute basis. The, the, the only solution to tyranny is more freedom. The only solution to government overreach is more freedom. Anything else is pretending. Anything else is pandering. Anything else is them trying to sell you a box full of human shit and wrapping it up in a pretty pink bow. So it doesn't, you think you're getting a present, but when you get home and open it, you'll throw it out the window in, you know, fear and terror and outrage. And just for once, just for fucking once, wouldn't you love, wouldn't you love high-ranking politicians to say just once when they come across some kind of issue, when they come across some kind of problem, wouldn't you just love once one of the top politicians to say, how can we solve this issue with more freedom and not less? Wouldn't you just love to hear those words come out of a top politician's mouth? But they don't. <laughs> they don't. What comes out of a politician's mouth? How can we solve this with more laws? How can we solve this with more regulation? How can we solve this with another policy? How can we solve this with more draconian censorship? How can we solve this with more surveillance? Oh, there's a safety issue. I guess we need more surveillance. I guess we need more laws. I guess we need to turn more people into criminals. Wouldn't you just love one of the major politicians one day at one point to say, how can we solve this with less law? How can we solve this with less punishment? How can we solve this with more freedom and not less? Just once, I'd love to fucking hear those words. How much more serious can you be than that? On one hand, the libertarian... There he is! There he is. Like I said, this is the biggest competitor to John McAfee. See you in hell! 
This is the biggest competitor to John McAfee. This is Vermin Supreme. The party had the highest number of presidential votes in its history. Yes, he's wearing a boot on his head. During the last general election at around 4.5 million votes. In 2016, the party nominated former Governor Gary Johnson. <laughs> I, I know uh, a few Libertarian Party members in 2016 who tore up, like, I'm not being uh, hyperbolic here. There was at least, there was definitely two and maybe three who I spoke to directly who, when Gary Johnson was nominated for the Libertarian Party candidacy, they tore up their membership cards. Like, they cut their membership cards to the Libertarian Party and threw it in the trash. They didn't want anything to do with it. Fuck this guy. Fuck him. So they can't make that mistake. They can't make that same mistake again. We're going to get into what's happening here with the libertarians. And former governor, now Republican presidential hopeful Bill Weld, to be their team ticket. And give yourselves credit, uh, Gary, uh, and and I know how much we, we're mad at Bill, uh, but they, they got the party as really the third party in this country. Congratulations to Gary Johnson for making the party the third biggest party. I would suggest that the Libertarian Party is the third biggest party in spite of Gary Johnson. <laughs> and now as we see what's happening in 2020, as I've said, uh, the opportunity is there more than ever, uh, I believe, a fractured, uh, dysfunctional Democratic Party, Trump being Trump, chaos every day, you never know what's going to happen next. Uh, the 2020s are year. On the other hand, it doesn't seem like the appetite for a new party is there with voters. An October 2019 Gallup poll found that 75% of Democrats are satisfied with the current lineup of candidates. Wow, good luck with that. <laughs> compared to less than 60% in 2016. And a Hill-Harris-X poll in January found a 90% approval rating for President Trump among Republicans. Yeah, 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 yeah. 75% of Democrats are satisfied with the 2020 candidates. Are they really satisfied with the 2020 candidates, though, or are they just fucking desperate? <laughs> like, you know... Um, if you haven't had sex for 10 years and a wildebeest comes up to you at the bar and says, why don't you take me right now in the parking lot? You'll be like, yeah, I was satisfied with that. You see my point here? Still, the Libertarian Party is looking at new candidates to see who will be their presidential hopeful in 2020. Following the debate, the state delegates chose Jacob Hornberger as the winner of the presidential debate in a straw poll vote. Crystal what's, what's, the, what's the story on Hornberger, Mr. Bearded Truth? Spielman with Election 2020, reporting from Culver City, California. Okay, so there you go. There's your background on the 2020 candidates. I noticed that they didn't even mention Vermin Supreme, and I noticed that they didn't even mention John McAfee. And I suspect that there's a reason for this. So I'm not going to uh, mention any names here, but what I've been told by somebody who's like in this world is that there's been like uh, there's been a kind of a push there's been a kind of a drive from within the libertarian party to not focus on the candidate as much but focus on the process and to essentially reveal that the process is a joke and i can see the logic to that because if you nominate a guy like gary johnson if your role as the third party is to be the joke for the other two parties, then you may as well be a good joke, right? You may as well be entertaining. You may as well be the good joke. At least then you're going to get attention. At least then you're going to get eyeballs. 
and you can drive people to the to the message that you want them to have that is the process is a fucking joke we are locked out we don't have any chance because it's rigged right that's i think that's far more intelligent that's that's far more clever than putting someone up there who's you know wants to be prim and proper and say all the right things and try to appeal to voters who have no interest in what they have to say and who will just treat them like a joke anyway so I can see the the wisdom in what I'm about to show you. This, ladies and gentlemen, is Vermin Supreme. And he's, like I said, he's been doing this for a few years. This was back in 2016. Uh, this is Vermin Supreme taking credit for the election of Donald Trump. I love this. Well, of course, uh, I believe that I paved the way for Donald Trump. <laughs> I've brought ridiculousness to politics, and he saw an opening, and he jumped on in there. So I think there is. I think I am. Um, Playing towards my own base, I'm playing towards my own constituency. Um, you know, I have my own people, so yeah, there's plenty of room for me in this mess for sure. Supreme has run for president in every election since 1992. Have a look at that outfit, huh? Have a look at that outfit. That is definitely going to bring some people to the side of freedom. Proudly marching up in there. For four uh, basic platform planks to my platform, they are as follows, of course: zombie preparedness. The only candidate with a zombie preparedness plan. He's the only candidate with a zombie preparedness plan. That's relevant. Have, have, has everybody seen World War Z? Somebody has to be given the portfolio of preparing for the zombie outbreak. Somebody, somewhere, has to have that responsibility. And I'm going to harness the zombies for energy sources by utilizing the latest and giant hamster wheel technology. <laughs> do you want to call in mr beard of truth wants to call in for some quick talking points if you want to call in i can get you up on the discord it's up it's up to you you just let me know if you, you let me know if you want to uh call in and we'll get you on the, he's on the beard he's in the chat he's in the chat are you there mr beard of truth he's listening in the chat I can see him in the Discord. In his- I'm here. There he is. How you going? Oh, geez. This is, uh, so, can you can you hear me okay? Yeah, yeah, like, we can, can hear you. Loud and clear. Loud and clear. Oh, beautiful. Our, All right. So- our, our angry libertarian joining us on the black shirt wearing libertarians program. Thank you for joining us, Mr. Beard of Truth. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. Anytime. Um, I'm... I'm- I was super excited just because, you know, libertarianism. Who talks about libertarianism but but the libertarian? So we do. It's a good, it's fantastic that you're talking yes, Shafi, uh what a grotesque gun grabbing anti libertarian that quote unquote libertarian is. Uh yes, he's disgusting. Vermin Supreme. He has he had four platforms. Uh he had my favorite, which happens to be Free ponies for all. So if you like ponies, free ponies for all. Vote for Vermin Supreme. Well, you, get your you, free pony. you can see You'll on the screen up. here. You can see on the screen here. Uh, the person, one of the Vermin Supreme boosters, is behind him with the pony head and the little my little my little pony uh, flag that he's holding up there. So yes, big on the ponies. Ironically, big, massive on the ponies. And so you get you get a free carrot every day in order to be able to feed your pony. Of course, if you're good, you get a sugar cube. 
but if you break your leg, we're going to have to put you down. So, uh, Supreme, fantastic platform, fantastic views. Uh, now that he's got Spike Cohen as the vice presidential candidate, make sure you guys check him out. So what's what's the deal? Because you've been talking about Spike Cohen for a while now. So what's his story? What's his background? What's his background? So if you guys follow me over at Muddy Waters of Freedom, Spike Cohen has two shows each week on Muddy Waters of Freedom. So uh-huh. my good friend Spike Cohen is the vice presidential candidate uh, or selected by Berman Supreme. We met him at the November Libertarian presidential debate. And from there, they hit it off. They're fantastic individuals. And uh, so we're, we're super excited to be able to have that opportunity um, to have, you know, Muddy Waters of Freedom get, get a little bump, but also Spike Cohen, most fantastic vice vice presidential candidate. Uh, he's added many great platforms, such as uh, you get free cheesy bread with any... Uh, with any permit for fire or federal firearms explosives permit, so go get your permit and get some free cheesy bread. Whatever now, kind of cheese you want on that bread. Can I can I play devil's advocate here, Mister America? I'm afraid no. I'm gonna no. no okay. I, 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 I'm, I'm afraid I'm gonna have to bring up a point of contention and say, isn't giving away free shit kind of like anti-libertarian? Yeah. <laughs> yes, absolutely, and this is the point. So the Spike Cohen, or the sorry, the Vermin Supreme Spike Cohen ticket is all about making a joke out of the entire system. Gotcha. What we have is politicians gotcha. coming out here giving away free things, free free Medicare for all, free college tuition, free minimum wage, free free healthcare, free this, free that, free everything else. So might as well go ahead and give out the free uh, the free ponies for all, give out the free car- carrots, give out some free sugar cubes, and then, um, you know, we'll have uh, power being generated through the zombies, which, uh, you know, Vermin Supreme's talking about right now through the giant hamster wheel technology. And as a result, we'll have unlimited energy, and so we'll have to recreationalize plutonium and everything else. I like um, it. But if you go to the actual platforms, yes, they're satire in order to drag you in. If you go to the actual platforms of Vermin Supreme and Spike Cohen, they are the only... Um, political uh ticket uh within the lp that follows 100 percent of the planks of the libertarian party that i'm aware of wow. so fantastic libertarians as well as being able to to hook you in with uh you know the promise of free ponies and yes you can attach a 40 40 millimeter cannon to your pony if you would like oh, um yes yes but they don't they do not want to guarantee lasers because they don't want to give you something unrealistic sure. or set unrealistic expectations <laughs> Absolutely. I, I would just love to see um, conflicts in the future. You know, ISIS and terrorist groups can strap a 50 cal to the back of their Toyota Hilux, but have they ever had to deal with a laser-guided cannon on the back of a pony? You know, that would be uh, yeah, something. Yeah, would, uh, yeah, it's beautiful. Um, Monica asked, did we get a free brush? Uh, there are toothbrushes. Yes, there are. Uh, He's holding a toothbrush police. right there, like in the on the screen. Exactly. If you do not brush your teeth each and every day, the police will come and break down your door, get in there, and make sure that you brush your teeth. Because proper hygiene is important. To fight against the uh, the gingivitis. I'm, I can't remember the exact terms that he's oh, using. I'm getting to that. Uh, I'm getting to that. Don't worry. <laughs> That's okay, next. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely fantastic. So, while I've just th- thank you so much for giving us a bit of background on Vermin Supreme and the Libertarian Party, Mr. Peter Truth. Just one more thing. <laughs> And an excellent plug there for your for your platform, uh, Muddied Borders. And how can we find you on Twitter, by the way, Mr. America? Uh, you can find me at Mr. Bear to Truth, or you can find Muddy Waters at Muddied underscore Waters. Okay. Um, and Spike Cohen, if you want to follow him, he is uh, real Spike Cohen. And then Vermin Supreme is Vermin, at Vermin.
Excellent. And so can I just, before I let you go, can I get a couple of quick thoughts from you on our preferred candidate here on the Daily Boogie podcast, Jason, if I can? If I can. Uh, oh, what, are your, what are your thoughts on John McAfee? Uh, what, you know, I know that you don't see him as pro-freedom, as vermin supreme, but maybe maybe do a compliment sandwich. Give us a good thing, a bad thing, thing, and another bad, thing, bad uh, good thing. Good thing. If you, when you grew up as a child and you saw like an action film, right, you saw like, you know, the badass hero uh, from any movie, mm-hmm. right, that is Vermin Supreme. You know, he's fought off actual mil- or police forces from other nations with standing there with an AK. Him and his uh, former prostitute wife uh, were standing there with AK, staring down the, you know, shoving these barrels in the face of, of police officers of other nations. Um, he is the badass that everyone wishes that they could be. You know, right. when you're when you when you're sleeping at night and you're like, oh, you know, I got this chick I really like. And so you got some burglars that break into the, like, you know, to work or school or wherever you are. And you're like the badass that saves the day. He's like, like the anti-hero. Real. Anti-hero. Yeah. Yep. Well, he he is that he's the the savior on a slow Tuesday. Like mm. so, John McAfee. I've got so much respect for him in that regard. Um, the bad thing about him is that we can't actually get like an in person interview with him because he's always fleeing from everybody. <laughs> uh, but going back to the good stuff, I mean, the dude was on point. I mean, the things that he's done within. Uh, <clears throat> within a free enterprise, within uh, free capitalism, uh, free markets. Uh, it's been absolutely beautiful. Uh, you know, McAfee, the internet protection is pretty solid. And uh, the giveaways from the Bitcoin, just fantastic guy all around. So uh, big ups for, for John McAfee. I, I wish him all the luck and, and I appreciate what he's done for, for his, thank him for his service to this nation. And well to this done. World well done. He's trying to create us with. And thank you for your service, jumping on and having a quick chat and, and filling us in a couple of filling in a couple of uh, blank black holes for us there, Mister America, the Beard of Truth. Thank you so Absolutely. much. Absolutely, I love you all. Thank you for letting me come in and talk to him for a second. Um, much respect to you, Boogie. I love your show. I love thank what you. you've been doing. Uh, keep on keeping on. Well done. Thank you very much, Mister America, the Beard of Truth, ladies and gentlemen. There he is. Thank you for joining us. So, an absolute pleasure. That wasn't that nice. Isn't that isn't that good to get a little bit of background? So here's what I want to show you. This is back in 2012, ladies and gentlemen. This is Vermin Supreme talking at, I think this is a kind of Libertarian Party Q&A. And this is where you're going to get the gingivitis quote from. So like I said, this guy's no rookie. He's not just coming into this, you know, with blinkers on. He's not a greenhorn. This guy means business. He knows what he's doing. Let's hear a little bit of Vermin Supreme, ladies and gentlemen. And then, like I said, tomorrow we'll get back to a, a few updates of John McAfee. An opening two minutes to Mr. Vermin Supreme. Thank you. Gingivitis. <laughs> just, just to answer a question in the chat, uh, people were saying, is it a left boot or a right boot? I think just because of the way that the boot is tilting there, it looks like a right boot to me. It looks like a right boot. So if you are uh, a fascist, ladies and gentlemen, then you should at least appreciate the fact that he's wearing a right boot and not a left boot, right? Gingivitis has been eroding the gum line of this great nation long enough and must be stopped. (laughs) For too long, this country has been suffering a great moral and oral decay in spirit and incisors. Oh, I like him already. (laughs) A country's future depends on on its ability to bite back. We can know how many how many fucking puns. <laughs> if, let's play the Vermin Supreme drinking game. 
How many uh, dental hygiene puns can he work into one two-minute address? In the gum line of this great nation long enough and must be stopped. For too long, this country has been suffering a great moral and oral decay. In oral spirit decay. And incisors. Incisors. <laughs> a country's future depends on its, on its ability to bite back. Bite back. We can no longer be a nation indentured. Indentured. Our very salivation, <laughs> salivation. is at stake. <laughs> Together, we must brace ourselves. <laughs> Holy shit. You would be on the floor now already. As we cross over to the bridge work into the 23rd century, let us bite the bullet and together make America a sea of shining smiles from sea to shiny sea. Now, friends, some people will tell you that this mandatory toothbrushing law is about the secret dental police kicking down your door at 3 a.m. to make sure you've brushed. Friends, it is not. Some will mention the dental re-education centers. I like that they zoom right in there. Or the preventative dental maintenance detention facilities. It's about none of these things. It's not about the government issued. Another, he's another candidate with a good voice, isn't he? I don't know what it is. Maybe, maybe I'm drawn to the people with good voices. Maybe. So John McAfee has a spectacular voice. And this guy has a very good voice as well, doesn't he? There must be some... The Libertarian Party must, you know, attract people with who speak with an authoritative tone. They must attract, you know... They, they must attract the bassists amongst us for some reason. Who knows? But what a stellar... What a stellar uh, set of chops he's got on him. It's much... It's, pre, it's definitely preferable to Hillary Clinton. And unlike Donald Trump, he doesn't sound like he's straining on the toilet to pass the 12-ounce steak that he's eaten for breakfast, lunch, and dinner for the last 30 years. We are going to do whatever it takes to get this steak into the bowl and past my anus. It, It doesn't sound like that at all. It sounds very confident. It sounds very authoritative, sounds intelligent, sounds incisive, (laughs) indentured. (laughs) Toothpaste containing an addictive yet harmless substance. No, friends, it is not even about DNA gene splicing to create a race of winged monkeys to act as tooth fairies. Friends, (laughs) what this mandatory toothbrushing law is really about is strong teeth for a strong America. Mm. My name is Vermin Supreme. I'm a friendly fascist. I'm a tyrant. I'm a friendly fascist. Yes. I'm loving this guy. That you should trust and you should let me run your life because I do know what is best for you. Yes, I'm a politician. (laughs) I will promise you anything your little electorate heart desires because you are my constituents. You are the informed voting public. And because I have no intention of keeping any promise that I make. He's got to be the most honest candidate I've ever heard in my fucking life. No wonder John McAfee is up against it. Now, as you know, we're big boosters of John McAfee here on the Daily Boogie, ladies and gentlemen, for a whole bunch of... It's a, it's a different set of agendas, I think, that attracted me to John McAfee. Mainly it's about the copious amounts of drug taking, um, the stories of heroism, and the having sex with random strippers and, and prostitutes. That, that's the kind of platform that I'm interested in here on the Daily Boogie because it represents freedom. 
But this, I can definitely get behind this. The friendly fascist who has no intention of keeping any of his promises because he's a politician. It, it, again, just like I asked the question of the chat earlier, chat, you couldn't find anything wrong with what Van Jones was saying. Can you find anything wrong with this? <laughs> vote early, vote often. Remember vote early, vote often, yes. Remember, a vote for Vermin Supreme is a vote completely thrown away. And I think I'm going to have to be honest here. I think McAfee stole that platform. A vote for Vermin Supreme is a vote thrown away. John McAfee has said similar things. I'm starting to wonder now how much of John McAfee's platform is actually John McAfee's. Uh-huh. There's drama. There's drama afoot. Luckily, we have a boot on our head. I would like to take this moment to acknowledge uh, my mother who is in the audience here today. Please stand up, mother. Please stand up. Stand up. He loves his mum. That's beautiful. You've got to love your mum. Um, if you can stand up, please stand up. So he's a wholesome family values candidate. Yeah, she's going to try and stand up so you can acknowledge her. This, this, this is my mother. Uh, there we go. And five years ago this April, I gave her a kidney. My challenge to you people, everybody on the stage and everybody in the audience, give up a kidney. Give up a kidney for America. <laughs> All right. Thank you, Mr. Supreme. Mr. Supreme, uh, welcome back. Uh, you, thank uh, you, sir. Like, like some of the other candidates, including uh, former Governor Romney, um, this is not your, shall we say, first rodeo. Let us say that. Um, this is not the first time you have run for president in Correct. the New Hampshire primary. Um, and uh, President Romney has been accused, and I'm not taking a position one way or the other, of taking different positions on different issues. Um, I'm uh, asking you right now, are, do you still stand by your pledge made in 2008 to provide a pony for every American? Yes, I do, sir. Yes, he's committed! Free ponies for all! <laughs> Free ponies? You know, like... I, I will go to, I will go to war for John McAfee on this program. Like I said, we've thrown our weight behind John McAfee. This is a very influential podcast of worldwide renown, ladies and gentlemen. We are known the world over. As you know, we spoke about something last week and then Tucker talked about it that night. So, you know, obviously, obviously, ladies and gentlemen, people are listening. <laughs> and then Donald Trump spoke about what Tucker spoke about. So I'm basically running the agenda now. Uh, you know, it's not a responsibility I want. Uh, it's not something that I've sought. It's not something that I've looked for. It's not something that I've tried to have. But for whatever reason, uh, the Daily Boogie and all of you are now running. We are now setting the agenda. So, you know, we've got to take this responsibility for what it is, right? We've got to treat it with the respect that it deserves. So, of course, my first inclination is to support John McAfee uh, doing lines of cocaine off a bear stripper's ass. Like, this is this is what, because why? Because fucking freedom. That's why. How dare you even ask? What the hell is wrong with you? Because freedom. So we will we will support John McAfee till the bitter end. Um, but, you know, I've got to say, I do find various platforms of this guy. I find him very appealing. Free ponies. Um you know, fascist, the friendly fascist police coming down, kicking down your door to make sure that you're brushing your teeth. I'm, I'm, I'm liking this. Free ponies for all Americans, one of the overlooked issues in America today. My free pony platform is, of course, a jobs creation program. It will create lots and lots of jobs once we uh, switch. Well, because you've got to have pony farms. You've got to have people running them. You've got to have people breeding the ponies, training the ponies, because you can't give untrained ponies to people. 
So they're going to have to be. You're going to have to hire a whole squadron of tr of pony trainers. Over to a pony-based economy, we'll also lower our dependence on foreign oil. We'll also be able to uh, turn all that pony poop into methane gas and wonderful compost, so we'll be able love, to uh, re-up uh, our soil that is being depleted by uh, agrochemicals. Mr. Be the Truth, do you want either of them on your show? If you can get Vermin Supreme, if you can su produce Vermin Supreme on this for this podcast, I think it would be the greatest podcast that has ever been produced of all time. Press one in the chat if you would like Vermin Supreme to show up on the Daily Boogie, ladies and gentlemen. Et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And of course, the important thing to realize is that it is a federal pony identification mm. program where you will need your pony with you at all times. Thank you very much. <laughs> <coughs> yes. Yes. You need to have your pony with you at all times. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Supreme, I wanted to follow up on Ambassador Shoemaker. It's, it, it, it's much more convenient for me than a card. You know, it's very easy to lose a card in your wallet. I'm seeing, I'm just seeing all ones. All ones in the chat. So if there's any chance that we can interview Vermin Supreme on this little podcast, I would absolutely jump at the chance. And the audience obviously wants to hear more from Vermin Supreme. So if we can do it, we will absolutely do it. So get in touch with me, man. Absolutely. If we can get Vermin Supreme on, if there's any way, we will absolutely do it. Why? Because fucking freedom. That's why. Because we love freedom. <laughs> so I, I think it would be much more convenient to have to bring a pony around wherever you go because, like I said, you can lose cards rather easily. If you, can lo if you lose a pony when you're getting change out of your wallet at the bar then, you know, I mean, you probably deserve to lose your citizenship at that point. So, yes, you, if you have to have a pony strapped to your belt, even, if, if you're one of these forgetful peoples and you forget where you left your pony, just make sure that it's attached to you at all times. He's our last hope, says Original Revolution. Here's question. Yes. Regarding the ponies. Um, yes. Is that the only government entitlement program that you support? What other entitlement programs are you for? Just that one. That's, that's enough. But I, in, the, in the vein of uh, energy production, I'd also like to address my uh, harnessing the awesome power of zombies uh, for energy sources. It's not just uh, to run away from anymore. No, we have giant turbines. that we're Why are we running away from the zombies when they can be running for us? We're working on, and we will have lots of zombies, and we'll just sort of dangle brains in front of them, and then they will turn the giant turbines, creating you, energy to uh, lessen the dependence on foreign oil in America here today. Thank you. <laughs> Mr. Supreme, your 30-second closing statement, please. My name is Vermin. My name is Vermin. Vermin Supreme. My name is Vermin. My name is Vermin. My name is Vermin. Vermin. Vermin Supreme. And you... Again, it's better than... I'm proud to be an American... Where at least I know I'm free. And I won't forget the man who died to let me vote for Vermin Supreme. And I'll proudly stand up next to you and brush your pony's mane. Cause without freedom, we all have gone. 
Vermin Supreme is same. The last hope, ladies and gentlemen. Still better than that cliched, I love America shit. <laughs> somebody with ideas, somebody with balls, somebody who's willing to stand up. Somebody who's got big ideas and big dreams and big hopes for you. Ladies and gentlemen, Vermin Supreme. We're going to keep tabs on Vermin Supreme's campaign as 2020 rolls ever closer. And again, like I said, we are officially endorsing John McAfee, but in the spirit of libertarianism, a little competition goes a long way. So we will never be against competition on this program. Competition and freedom Cocaine off strippers' asses and free ponies. That's what we are about, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you so much for joining us on this edition of The Daily Boogie. That brings us to an end tonight. Uh, if you'd like to become a supporter of the show, please head over to patreon.com forward slash boogie bumper. Become a subscriber by hitting our subscriber by hitting the subscribe button on your preferred podcast player. And of course, if you'd like to tell me about your pony, then you can do so by following me on Twitter at Boogie Bumper. Don't forget to follow our friends, please, at RealPersonPLTCS, at ChrisMC44, at YCensored, at WinningTV, at Mr. America, the Bearded Truth. Thank you so much for calling in. Uh, at Irrational Times, he's back. Uh, don't forget Joy of Pessy on a Saturday night with crappy movies at midnight. Uh, there's so many people to follow. UK Neil, also don't forget follow UK Neil. And anybody else I might have forgotten, follow, give Rusty a chat. Uh, Iceman44 in the chat, give Rusty a chat. He's trying, he's learning uh, OBS, he's doing sound tests. He's, he does a tremendous show called Sound Test. So tune in for Rusty Sound Test whenever it's on, most days. And anybody else I might have forgotten. Thank you to everybody who contributed tonight on DLive. We will be back tomorrow at 6pm where we will catch up with John McAfee and do a whole bunch of other shit that most people find disgusting. So thank you so much for joining us. Until then, ladies and gentlemen, stay calm, stay rational. God bless, and we'll see you soon. Bye-bye. I'm opening the chest right now. In half an hour, Irrational Times is on YouTube in half an hour, Irrational Times on YouTube.